Oh, oh. <laughs> hello. Right. Oh, hey guys. Hey, hello. welcome. To, hello, welcome to your aunties could never. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with Auntie Nana, Auntie Shade, <laughs> Auntie Technical Hitch. <laughs> 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 we're guys welcome and sorry for making us start late we had a bit a few stuff going on today uh, this is episode 53 and um what we're trying is new technology yeah we're trying to go live on ig and on instagram and i can hear it and start a step oh gosh we've got everything going on um and on our usual facebook and youtube live we're trying new technology new things it's all very crazy but we're here we're happy we're yeah, getting on we're getting into it. So, guys on Instagram, hi. Um, so, so far on Instagram, we're hearing that only Farah is not echoing, and that's because she doesn't have her sound on. So, um, let's see what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, how are you, ladies? <laughs> Whilst we wait for things to set up, we're trying to be supersonic stream. We're trying to be the Teddy Riley of Insta. Well, maybe we're not trying to be the Teddy Riley. No, Riley. we're not trying to be Teddy. We're not trying to be Teddy. Um, this is so mad having stuff in my ears as well. I feel like I'm in underwater. Um, how are you doing? How are you doing, ladies? Good, good. I'm trying to good, think of good, what's good, been good. a highlight of this week. Say that again, sorry. I'm trying to think of what's been a highlight of this week. A lot's happened. A lot has yeah, a lot has really gone on. It's been mad, hasn't it? Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Mad. Um, Auntie Farah, you're gonna introduce yourself, you ready? No. <laughs> do you know what, guys? You know what I feel like we need to do? I feel like IG Live people come and join us at Facebook and we work out this technical hitch at another time because it might, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't know. It was sounding I'm not hearing too much. No, I no, can't, no, I can't, no. We can't hear you, Auntie Farah. I've got to leave and come back because I'm frozen. Okay. Okay, well, let's get cracking with the show. Oh my gosh, yes. can I see half my face? Look on Insta. <laughs> help! Only on Instagram. Help! Help! Oh my god! Help! Um, sorry, because this is mad. We've got to kind of commandeer two audiences. Face with people, bear with us. You're our trusted and our lovely darlings. Yeah. And hello, 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 Ronald. Hello, Candice. Hey, Mr. Tang. Mrs. Tang, go, go wherever the sound sounds good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hey, so if it sounds... Oh, oh IG. Oh, no, I switched from IG. It's better over here. Yeah. So on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. So, look, look, we'll see how it goes. If not, oh, look, we've got to get Farah back in on the RG live. Auntie Farah, you still haven't introduced yourself to the people then? Can't hear you, darling. <laughs> Trying to stream everywhere. We're, we're, overdoing, it. we're overdoing it like Teddy Riley. Hello. Hello. This is yeah, we can hear you. ludicrous. Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. To be fair, guys, let's be fair. Like, we didn't test this. We just decided to go for it. Yeah. We just decided, <laughs> just decided we're, to We're do women it. who take things by the 
by the boobies and just go for it. This is us. This is what we do. The renegades out here. Yeah, taking things by the boobies. Taking things by the boobies. Not the balls, because this is not a patriarchy no more. So matriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> okay guys let's can we get Artifara Chicklet you ready we need you to start the show man we can't hear you though oh what I can help myself yeah, yeah, we can hear. no but when she was saying we got, okay cool okay all right um Auntie Shade who are you welcoming to the family Oh, yes, I'm starting things. Yes, so guys, I'm welcome. It should come as no surprise whatsoever who I'm welcoming to the family. It is none other than Miss Beyonce Knowles Carter um, for her uh, contribution to the culture and the fact that she just won some more Grammys. I can't remember how many she won now, two or three more. And she is uh, now the most decorated female Grammy winner of all time. So my girl there, she just keeps on winning all the time. So she deserves to be part of the family. Um, is she, and which, which, is she an auntie? She's an auntie, isn't she? She's an auntie. Yeah, definitely auntie. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, Auntie Beyonce, bad girl from long time. Twenty. Oh wow, twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Welcome, Beyonce Knowles, yeah. on your twenty-eight Grammys, most decorated, as you said, amazing. Yeah, man. Yes. And the, the fact that your child is picking up Grammys too, like it's nothing. Yes. She just. She well, just... listen. <laughs> claim it. In my in my child is in on a on a track and she goes pim is she gonna get that credit fam hundred percent hundred percent and I respect it yeah she could she could she could play a t- triangle she's saying I respect it but as long as everyone says that was her part and don't make out like she was sitting there oh to the brown skin girl this is what I think you know. Let's just... wow. You're coming for wow. Ivy, slyly. You're coming for yeah. Ivy. Yeah. Ivy is talented. Ivy's got yeah. Ivy did on Jay Z's album. Like I can't remember what his was it four four four. Oh yes, on that, uh, on that four, album, four, four. On, yeah, yeah, on that album she wrote some stuff. She wrote some stuff, right? And she rapped it and she sang it. I'm not saying she doesn't deserve the, the Grammy, and I'm not saying that it's not amazing. She's the youngest person ever to get one. But I am saying, let's remember what her contribution was. And um, by the way, Auntie Farah. There's, yeah, 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 whatever. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm just saying that. My phone's dying. I'm keeping time. I'm trying to be on IG. I'm trying to not hear. I've had to put my AirPods all the way over there so that really? I don't come through with feedback. It's a lot round here. Okay. Teddy Riley. You do so well. You do so well, Auntie Farah. Auntie Farah, whatever. Look, everything's dying right now. So all right, all right, all right. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So, this is the section where we go. What have you heard, people? What have we heard? This is what we pick up. In... Oh Lord! How about everybody on mute when they're not talking? <laughs> We should send this to Teddy and make him feel better about himself. We should. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. What have you heard? This is the section where we talk about what's going on in the news, what we picked up on the news this week, and I am going first. There's a lot happening. I'm going to try and squash this all into one thing, yeah? So first and foremost, the new policing bill. So basically, our best friend, Miss Pretty Patel, 
has been endorsing this bill through by the Conservatives that um, the new policing bill that basically anyone who protests and stuff like that is it, just putting in introducing new laws into how we get police when we're protesting. So it's like they're gonna have noise control, annoyance control, and basically they're coming for us when we protest, when people want to protest. And it's on the back of Black Lives Matter, and of course um, the protest that well it, it was implicated before when Black Lives Matter became a thing last year, so they started to put that bill through. And it's being exacerbated around the time now because you had the people doing the vigil for Sarah Everard, which we'll get onto as well. Um, but what, on the back of this, there's that, Black Lives Matter, always been the, the, the precursor to nonsense in the law. Then we have people like Shabnam Chowdhury and Priti Patel, who've got problems with us for some reason. I'll find, I'm gonna play a bit of what Shabnam said earlier on today. Oh. I just realised, I don't know if I can play it for the IG people. Sorry, but here we go for the people on Facebook and YouTube. Oh, I just realised I have to take my headphones out for it to play, right? <laughs> Where are you playing? Where are you playing it? On the laptop. Because <laughs> I've got to take my headphones out for you lot to hear it, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. hold on. I'm just saying, yeah, I don't actually know. I know it doesn't actually work now either. Oh, shit. Okay, no bad. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Guys, I'm ashamed for us. I'm ashamed for us. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I've got it. Do you know what I had? Auntie moment. I had it on mute. I had it on mute. I had it, <laughs> I had it on mute. I had it on mute. I had it on mute. My bad. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. We're getting together. Okay, one, two, go. This wasn't Black Lives Matter. This was a, a, a sensitive issue where a woman has been murdered tragically and it's raised the alarm and it's ignited a movement from thousands and thousands of women from across the globe and probably internationally to say enough is enough. So that was Shabnam Chowdhury, who, um, let me get my notes up so I didn't have that ready. She basically, hold on, sorry, is um, an independent consultant. And she speaks out about race and stuff like that quite a lot. But for some reason, she decided to downplay the importance and the seriousness of Black Lives Matter when comparing the... The, the vigil that was taking place in Clapham Common in the wake of Sarah Everard, who was murdered tragically um, on her trying to get home. Um, I think she lived in Brixton and she was on her way home and she got kidnapped and um, murdered by a police officer from Kent. And, oh, okay. Auntie Farah needs to be added back in again <laughs> because she lost herself on IG. So basically, we've got Shabnam talking reckless about us and we've got um, Pretty Patel. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> and then we got Priti Patel, who's consistently been anti-Black Lives Matter. She said she wouldn't take the knee. She basically she said that she wouldn't. She said protests are reckless. And my question is, in all amongst all of this nonsense, what have we done to brown people? What's the problem? What is the beef between black and brown people? What is it? Why do brown people appear South Asians specifically seem to not feel it for us when we all go through the same thing? They're, they're both both. All of us were colonized. Our countries are colonized and stuff like that. We've been through the similar struggle, but yet they look down on us and don't seem to be allies in this moment that we're going through. And I'm not saying all, because we definitely have some brown allies, of course, 
but people in the forefront, there seems to be brown people who just have this disdain for Black Lives Matter and black causes and are quite quickly ready to lead to the side of the establishment over black people. I just want to know what you lot thought. Auntie Sade. Um, yeah, I guess like, I didn't like the way this was worded, to be honest, like in terms of like, um, you know, just lumping everyone together because I definitely don't think that's the case um, in general. So thanks for clarifying that. Um, I, I, I just think it's people in positions of, like some people in positions of power, right? Do you know what I mean? But it's not, it, it, it's, it's, uh, I think it's kind of, fashionable at the moment to kind of go against Black Lives Matter. It gets you a lot of attention. It gets you a lot of clicks um, and those types of things. I think she really, um, I think she probably shot herself in the foot with this one, to be honest. Like, it was, it, to, to be honest, like, her statement was violent. To, uh, that, that's the way I see it. It's like pure violence. And the newscaster, um, uh, the presenter, she corrected her kind of thing which was good because you don't usually see that happen usually they just let it go and move on to the next point so that was that was good to to kind of pull that back um but I think historically there has been unity do you know what I mean like especially in the UK um you know Southeast Asian people were prominent in the Black Panther movement in the British Black Panther movement um back in the 60s and 70s um so and I, I don't know if this uh, energy is the same in younger generations, I, I, I don't think it is. Do you know what I mean? Not from what I see. It definitely seems, culture seems to be, from what I can, I don't, I don't know, I'm a city girl, so I don't know what it's like outside. Um, but it definitely seems to be very, very, very integrated and stuff and people fighting the cause. I just think that these people are just trying to create, uh, people like her are just trying to create, you know, elements of a divide and elements of like trying to, push like a race war, whatever kind of thing um, for their own game. Um, and it's sad. Um, I just think it's really sad. I, 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 yeah. And I don't know, man. I don't think, uh, I don't think she, I, I think she, I think she should lose her job to be honest for that statement. Alone. Um, Shabnam. Yeah. Just to, I guess, because it's, 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 I think just to clarify a bit more. Yeah. Definitely not all South Asians. And I've definitely had great friendships with um, South Asian people growing up in school and all that type of stuff. And I think the younger generations are a bit different, but it does seem like prominent people of power in those, in from, and I'm, I'm being broad because I'm not, I, I am being very broad. So guys don't take offense and correct me where I'm wrong. But it just visibly seems like there, uh, there's a them and us in position of power for those. Well, things. I think because there's there's a lot of southeast. Well, it's South Asian. Yeah, in um, in the Conservative Party. Do you know what I mean? And Conservative it, like have that kind of stance. So we're getting that rhetoric that would usually come from a maybe a white person. Do you know what I mean? Coming out of this mouthpiece. Um, so I think that that's probably why that's happening. Um, but then you've got, I don't know. I think it's just hypo- like the, the, the bill itself is just so, it's just hypocrisy. I can't even Can I express- just come in on the, yeah, go on, the black and um, Asian <laughs> yeah. thing? Because I think it, there's definitely been a divide. And 
within their culture though there's differences because they because they have their caste system and the lower class are uh, and the outcasts and untouchables are more black they already have a colorism issue within their societies which then cast aspersions on black people as well i think there's definitely is a a real pecking order as how to how they see themselves to black people and they're and they and they do see themselves as above i think that's a it's a generalization but it's definitely within their cultures and most of the asian people that i've spoken to they would admit it that there there is this type of hierarchy where they see themselves as more educated and better placed in society than black people but that's all by design through the british empire they did actually have more access to education and were put through training schemes that africans and caribbeans were not privy to and so that's why there's so many asian doctors it's because they actually put them through medical school that was a part of empire you had you had layers of of your access and they had more access and i think it's I think we see that within the political classes because they generally are the higher class Asian people and there's a lack of sympathy when it comes to black issues and I don't even think it's just for definitely the conservatives seem to be bold in talking about it but I think you really do see it um even in local government I think there's a there's a level of just well, that's black stuff. Like there's just a kind of shoo-shooing of our issues all the time. And at this moment, there seems to be quite a few Asian people speaking about it openly. Um, and yeah, I think she should lose her job as well. It's not okay. It's it's not, the, how she was talking and everything else, if she doesn't do the full on, like, you know, if I hurt anybody's feelings, I'm sorry, apology. But I think she needs to lose her job. That's the least she can do is one of those apologies, but really she should lose her job. Auntie Farah. Um, Realised I was on mute. <laughs> but I wasn't on mute on the other one. That's what was throwing me. This is a lot, guys. I have two ears in from different sources. Um, yeah. So your first thing about black and brown people, I think you've all pretty much said it. It's to, it's historical. It's to do with the class system that they had. It's also to do with. Um, I I see. I, I want to be careful when I say this, but I do feel like it's not the focus is not on them. You know, like let's try to make sure that we're not at the focus of what could be because that could be us. We we were colonized but we weren't slaves effectively. I mean, we were yeah. We weren't forced to do certain things, but we weren't taken from our homes and shipped to a different continent. It wasn't the same. They've suffered the same as we have, but they haven't, well, they've suffered as we have, but they haven't suffered to the same degree, perhaps. And maybe there's still some element of that, because just like within the black race, there's elements of, um, you know, to this day, generations are still suffering because of the effect of slavery, I truly believe that their generations are suffering from the effect of colonization. Just like in Africa, we're suffering from the effects of colonization. So I feel like for some people, there is that whole, especially when I, when I say people, I'm talking like people like Preeti Patel, 
those sorts of people, where it's almost as though I've got to make sure that none of this focus of race or anything that is happening to those people over there can even come towards me. So it's, it's like, um, what do they call it? They're just trying to protect themselves from any possible hate that could go their way. So that's kind of what I feel about some people, some people that are like that and have a, this irrational hate or lack of empathy towards our plight. Um, in terms of the crime bill, well, it's just nonsense. I've just read it all. It's just all like some of the things that they're saying, I just don't understand how they can make this. Well, they can do what they can make whatever they want legal, but it's just there's lots of human rights issues within that. They're changing major, major laws and the penalties that some of these people are going to get that, are, you know, they can if you're in jail and they feel, and you're up for parole and even if you've been a good prisoner they can decide well you're not I'm, I'm saying you can't come out there's lots of different things that they can do they're doubling they're doubling um certain crimes so where it was maybe 10 years it's now going to be 20 years where people may have got um a year sentence they're now possibly going to get a life sentence a life sentence also comes with being on license there's lots of different things um so yeah i i just I don't know what to say, really. I just feel like it's out of our control a lot of times. Um, yeah, I think it, that's the part. It's out of coal, out of out of our control, and it's the people that they're using to usher this message through. And we talked about Pretty Patel so many times, but what the hell she's doing and why she's doing it and where it's coming from. And it's just, I rewatched her interview with Nick Ferrari on LBC when she was saying that, you know she was talking with such disgust about Black Lives Matter and the way and taking the knee. And then she subsequently, you know, really got rallied behind the people who were having the vigil for Sarah Everard. And when it got out of hand, she was a little bit more empathetic than it would have been for if it had got out yeah. of hand in the Black Lives Matter protest. And so that, that, and that's the triggering thing that why would you be so separate? And as, as you guys have said, the protecting themselves, there is an element of hierarchy, definitely, um, a snobbery between the, our two communities, the black and brown communities. And I definitely, I think we get it from all those, if we want to be very stereotypical and brandish the, the, brandish the brush across everybody from going into their stores and feeling like, you know, when, you know, we have to buy from them because they dominate an industry, especially the hair and beauty industry. So we have, we have a cultural isms behind, between us. And I think it's very much, it's quite similar to, you know, when you grow up in an area with lots of white kids, everyone's your best friend. And as you get older, the divide starts to come in as society starts to push in the divides and your, the society um, kind of rules and regulations of how our community is supposed to interact in society, then we kind of distance ourselves because I know definitely growing up, the cultures were blended. You had very much blended um, black culture and Asian culture was quite blended and you'd have the crews that kind of listen to hip hop and music would unite us and our interesting culture would unite us. And then as they get older, there was a separation and then it's like them and us type of thing. Um, and actually, I don't know if you remember in Antifara, we, our communities in college were quite separated. We had the Asian crew on one side and we had the black crew on the other side. So it was, I don't, and then one or two of us might intermingle, but generally there was always this separation. Um, so I just, it's just interesting to see how it's, how it develops in later life and how we are as adults and where we, how we navigate that. Um, let's get some comments. I, I was just going to add, on. I think religion is definitely a factor That's as true. well. Um uh, and in my college was really like that, but it was probably at the beginning of um, more girls wearing hijabs as well and just taking religion more seriously. So when I started college, there didn't seem to be such a big divide. And then as 
it, it, as we got into like the second year, there really did seem to be like all of the Asian people were together and all of the black people, but and there was a real separation. And it just felt like, yeah, religion played a part in that because just depending on how religious you are, culturally as well as like, you know, community-based, stuff that we may be doing it, it isn't deemed as okay. So I think that plays a part in it as well. And definitely for the Black Muslims, they were fine. They seemed to hang out with them. So there's there's something in it, but it, I, I hope it will get better as the generations grow up in, in just- areas together. I just don't want to, like, make, maybe maybe I'm being a bit naive about it and stuff, but I just don't think that just because you have these leaders who have these opinions and are associated with these parties, that that's a reflection on the whole group of people. Do you no. know what I mean? Because I just don't, I just don't think that that's the case um, at all. And then when... Like when when push comes to shove, it's like you do. It's not like you don't see those people at the marches um, protest it. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing and and, and that sort of thing. So I, I I just don't think it's. I think it's complex. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's it might be a more uh, generational as well kind of thing. Um, like definitely, I hear the hair and beauty aspect kind of thing there's definitely a lot of contention there but that act, that blockage um uh in that area is not just it's not just that community that is you know british <laughs> Britishness as well kind of thing but blocking loans and blocking access and all that kind of stuff do you know what i mean so i don't know I think it's... I think, do you know what I think? Sorry to cut you. I think what it is, is that we do have every other culture, I think every other culture outside of black culture has in has been raised and grown up with the negative stereotypes about black people being the worst denominator in regards to all things negative. So it's how you navigate that as a community and whether you buy into it full wholeheartedly or not. And I think that because, I mean, even East Asians, every other community has... A kind of because you know we go to our home countries we have other cultures who have arrogantly stepped into our countries caribbean and africa with confidence that yeah we can because these people are not there to be they're, they're savages they can't control their they're not good at business and all this type of stuff and we always reference it and in broad stroke terms we always reference you know I've amount of times in debates and conversations. Oh, we've got to be more like the South Asians. We've got to be more like are the East you, Asians. You, so, so I think. Are you saying that that is the reason why they have these or, or promoting these opinions? Because I don't think it is. I think it's because they're in the position that they're in and have to almost like toe the party line. So that's why they're saying those things. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that, I, that that's not a part of them too, but like. That's what I'm saying. At the same time, you get like black conservatives who will say the same thing. Do you know what I mean? So that is, you know, you can argue that they have like um, self hatred or in denial and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? But like that's they have chosen to be where they feel, you know, in a party where they feel comfortable. And I don't know whether it's, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe that's an observation, not a a disagreement. If that makes sense. No, I think I think because this is this is a a bit of a hodgepodge that has been pushed together. This topic because I think we can explore the relationship between our communities for sure in a different way, but also then we have these cultural leaders who find it easy to be disparaging about the black movement. 
does some of that come from what they've grown up around and the stereotype image that they have of black people or is it just literally yeah we're conservative and we're in this space and we want to just get where we need to get because that's what we believe and they're of course they're you know we've got short the sean baileys of the world and and oh, and such great. so they're not the only well, it's not only asian people that are in the communities doing that there's conservatives full stop all people that are just trying to get ahead for sure but i think it's a layer it is a layered conversation and it's mm-hmm. not all this is not about all but there are some nuances between us and what we grew up and see where we might when you get to a position of power, if you keep those stereotypes with you, it might be a lot easier for you to say these things without thinking about the implications or not caring about the implications because you've already got those stereotypes in your head, possibly. So that's what I, that's another, that's a, that's a thought. But let's get some comments and um, keep it moving. Whose turn is it today? It's technically mine, I would say, but I don't know how it's going to go. I'll do comments on Insta and you guys do comments here. So, okay. All however right. you want to go. Do you want to go or should I go? Uh, uh, I can do the three that I can see here and then you can do the other ones if that, that's okay. So, oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff Schumann. Hey, Jeff. Um, says so these women women should have their own chat show. Yes, we should. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Nicola that. says. <laughs> Nicola says the separation between Africans and Asians. I remember was more around when marriage and building together became an issue. We could only be friends, but only so far. I witnessed it in Guyana, and I and maybe so maybe I'm biased. Um, and then sorry. Oh, I can't scroll down there. Sorry. Should I, don't should know I read actually... the queer's one? It's quite a long yeah. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so true, Auntie Sade. But let's not think people in the media are real. There's no real divide at the bottom of the barrel. The people near power all play the game of keeping black at the bottom. We have to look very hard and comment on how the machine works. As Nana says, it's colonial. When you as a black person have to deal with people in power, I think we need to go in knowing and understanding the power dynamics and naming and explaining that in their faces. We need to play a different game. The crime bill is being sold as an anti-BLM bill, but it's an anti-British people bill. If white Mm. British people are too stupid to know how they are being used, then it's going to be all our funerals. Huge, 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 huge facts. I'm going to Instagram. Um, Canstagram says, same thing happens in Guyana and other Caribbean countries. Um, Lady Uzo said, I think these people in those positions of power do not want to lose their position, therefore will be the biggest advocate to be against racial divide. Um, Keft USA says white supremacy is global and has been assimilated by Asians as well. And um, welcome to everybody who's joined. We're trying a new thing. Aunties could never on IG Live, on Facebook and YouTube. We're going globally, technically global. <laughs> we're doing um, all the things. We're doing yeah, all, the, all things. the things. We're doing the most, as they say, as the kids say. We're doing the most. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next topic. Auntie Nana, what have you heard? Okay, so... I was um, I was having a chat with somebody about fertility and then as we're talking about it, I decided to go and see, my, my feeling was that there's a real lack of black women talking about fertility struggles. And so then I decided to kind of Google and see what was out there. And lo and behold, I found an article last month 
that was written in Glamour magazine that was talking about the lack of black women actually accessing fertility services. And as I've accessed fertility services, I was probably most of the time when I had an appointment was the only black person there. There were so few black people. And then when I was looking for stories or, you know, like you want success stories to kind of be like, oh, this could happen for me. There was still a lack of black women talking about it, although the the stats are there that there are so many people going through it. I'll just read the first paragraph from Glamour magazine if I can get to it. Sorry. Oh, no, my my thing isn't working. My mouse. Can you guys hear me scrolling on the table? Yes, we can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is some peak auntie nurse. Sorry. It really is. Sorry, guys. <laughs> my mouse is really not working. Yeah, I just wanna... Is that okay? Here, I'll put it in the chat. Okay. All right. So this is the beginning of the article. It is, I am a 30-something Black woman and I have dreams of one day having a baby. I look forward to feeding my baby's kicks, concealed as flutters and caressing my swollen belly in any photo opportunity I get. But with this dream... With this dream... Comes the reality. Um, I'm I can't sorry. see it. It won't break. Okay, let me think. Oh. You read it. Okay. With this dream comes reality that I'm also a medical student with years of training ahead of me. I have made peace with the fact that those dreams may be deferred. I recently did a medical school elective in reproductive endocrinology and infertility, which exposed me to women with various fertility-related issues. Our days in the office were bustling. Appointments scheduled at 20 to 40-minute intervals brought in a steady stream of patients seeking services ranging from treatment for polycystic ovarian syndrome to preparation for a cycle of in vitro fertilization. Most of our patients were white professionals who had private insurance. So I'm just going to try and paraphrase. I attend school in a fairly diverse city where over 76 languages are spoken. One would think that our patient population would naturally mirror the ethnic diversity of this area. This was not the case. I saw only a handful of women who shared my complexion, leaving me to wonder where all of um, the black women were. My experience in the clinic was not unusual. Black women access fertility treatment at lower numbers. A national health statistics study found that only 8% of black women access medical care for fertility rated, related concerns compared with 15% of white women. But research also shows that black women may have a higher need for these services. 12% of black women will have infertility compared with 7% of white women, according to the Association of of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. There's more, but of course, go ahead. So what it just led me to think about, um, I just wanted you guys' thoughts on it um, without going too deep into any of your personal stories. But... Is there a hesitation in just finding out your fertility status? Do you know of any people that like really won't go and access, won't go to the doctors when it comes to fertility because it's the shame that's associated with it? Just like a general convo on this, because I think it's just not really spoken about. And definitely in the three to four years where me and Russ was really in our throes of, like our fertility issues, I didn't ever hear any black people ever talking about this. It was like, like somehow we don't have these issues. And I'm putting my hands up as one of those that kept this deadly silent as well. So yeah, it's just what, what do you think are, are the issues around this, why we're not actually seeking any help 
when it comes to fertility issues. Auntie Farah. When you stop rustling. Um, I definitely think it's to do with the fact that as a community, we don't really talk about stuff like this. We don't really talk about, especially, you know, we're just expected to be able to have babies, aren't we? You go mm. from your parents telling you, don't have a kid, don't have a kid, to your parents telling you, where's my grandbaby? And you don't, there isn't a conversation about what might be taking place during that period. Like, are you having issues? Is your husband having issues? Is your partner having issues? And you definitely don't hear men talking about fertility issues. So I think that's part of a big reason because sometimes people don't have anyone to talk to within their immediate family. If they are going through anything, it's it's very difficult to know because you just assume that maybe they don't want kids yet. Because it's Mm. such a personal thing as well. There is that there is that thing of people don't want to let people in to their own private lives and you know and thoughts because especially a lot of people try for a baby and unfortunately they lose a baby or they try for such a long time and then nothing happens so it is a very very personal issue and in terms of fertility people seeking treatment it's super expensive it is really 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 expensive like I know a couple of people who have looked into maybe getting their eggs frozen but it's bloody expensive so there's that factor as well and let's face it we're not like the majority of us don't have papers like that so the route that you go down and that the things that you try may be that of the traditional you know medicines and stuff like that that you've learned from your family members and if you do if you are fortunate enough to try for um IVF or anything like that you might you may only have one go at it because it's so expensive so I think all of these things are the reason why within our own community people don't talk about it and you know it's people aren't visiting these clinics as much Auntie Shadow. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, I do think though we as Black people are underrepresented in, in everything. Um, do you know what I mean? So just across the board, um, because there's just generally a lack of effort to even include us in everything. We're always an afterthought in those kind of things, um, and also like you know, just in terms of like. The healthcare system anyway we all know <laughs> there's a lot of issues there um in general i think that um the first time i heard about like freezing eggs and stuff was in sex in the city i think like um charlotte's storyline was um where she couldn't conceive naturally i think um yeah. and that's and that uh was the first time I was just like, oh, okay, this is this is an issue, issue. Do you know what I mean? Because if it's in there, <laughs> I kind of thought at the time, then you know, it must be something that um, people um, uh, must, you know, it must be important to people and stuff. So I think um, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if that is uh, talked about as much anymore. Do you know what I mean? Just in general, like, um, but I do see. I don't know. I think the people that I know who've had issues, um, just by coincidence, they've been quite religious and their um, remedy for it is not actually to go to a clinic, it is to go very traditional, usually go back home and, you know, kind of prayer and all that kind of stuff. So I think that there is like um, 
maybe like an educational piece there kind of thing to say that there are alternatives or there there is uh, uh, support out there that can support that as well. Um, and then also as well, like I know that a friend of mine, I must get the name of it, but I know his mum was setting up a fertility clinic in Ghana, which I thought was very interesting to give like an alternative to, you know, a Western approach kind of thing. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people would be really interested in that. Um, but yeah, I just think, uh, I think people talk about, you know, um, I don't know what, is, what the technical term is, but when you lose a baby or give birth to it and it's a stillborn, sorry. Stillborn, um, yeah. Yeah, that, I know a couple of people that have actually unfortunately been through that and while while it's talked about behind closed doors it's definitely not something that they're rushing you know for example to social media to kind of talk Mm. about and say this is my experience and stuff and everything like that and also it's like a very private thing like even you know it's 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 loss it's grief it's it's painful do you know what I mean and while Mm -hmm. you know of course you want to maybe naturally help other people you also have to be in a position to help those people and to come to terms with your own personal loss as well because I think there is some like stigma around that even you know just having a miscarriage or say just not just but people who suffer a a miscarriage is almost seen like okay cool that happens but you just should carry on and try again do you know what I mean and not account Mm -hmm. for the for the pain uh, that people uh, have have been through and not just for the mother, but, you know, everybody else around them as well that it affects. So I think, yeah, definitely there should be um, more educational about it. Um, But I do think it's just a very, I don't know, it's just a very painful thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So I can understand why people don't want to necessarily share at least publicly, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think that it's that assumption that black people are just fertile and we just have kids. And so I think we're caught, I think people are caught unawares when it's actually a real issue. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ever grew up thinking I would never be able to have children. It was more uh, physically. I always thought it'd be um, related to whether or not I had a, had a man or not. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I never thought about the health implications of not being able to have a kid. I never thought, I just assumed that I would definitely have a baby. It was just natural thinking. Um, and it was only, as I got older and I met, you know, I knew people who had miscarriages and things like that. Again, it was not, again, I didn't apply, it didn't, from the perspective of miscarriage, it wasn't that it was like a health thing that it needed to be looked into. It might be like, oh, okay. It was, kind, again, something that's kind of, normal without it having the the research and science as to why particularly this person or these sets of people have continuously have miscarriages it's kind of maybe thought like oh it just wasn't and again what you said auntie Shade, people apply faith and religion and spirituality to it so it wasn't supposed to be and all these type of tradition um, superstitious kind of implications come to when the baby doesn't survive in a way that's supposed that you know it's supposed to come to term um i also know someone who gave birth to stillborn and again the health implications that weren't necessarily looked into mm. from that perspective it is seen as a quite and at the expense and all that type of stuff and I I, I can't remember who I, was, I don't know if it was Auntie Farah speaking to when we were talking about men don't um also black men the 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 stereotypical stigma put onto them is like you know you're a man if you can you know 
create enough children. That's a stereotype, isn't it? The more virile you are, the more children that pop up, then you're a man. And that conversation with having with speaking to a man who can't produce children and things like that, I've never heard a black man sit down and have those conversations openly. I think actually someone recently on Facebook kind of said, yeah, we've had troubles trying to conceive. But it was after the fact, once him and his yeah. partner conceived to the point where I think maybe the baby was born, then they spoke about it. And I understand that in moment, who's going to take to social media to talk about these type of things. But there is this element of once we're okay and we've proven that we're okay, then maybe retrospectively I can mm-hmm. say, yeah, we had some troubles. And whether or not a man is confident to talk about his troubles in conceiving, whether it's to do with his, you know, his reproductive system and all that type of stuff, I think we're a long way from that because manhood is tied into virality and creating babies and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've not... I've not I, I'm, I know someone who is potentially faced with a situation where when they're ready to have children, it might be a problem. And they are doing all the, having all the conversations and doing all the research. Um, and that's interesting to look at through, through from a young black person's perspective and both them um, and their partner really having these honest conversations and looking to, but I know that the, 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 the guy in the situation is reluctant and feels embarrassed because the issues are with him rather than with the woman. And so that there is something and I have advised them that you know find couples that have been through this so you can talk to them and have this kind of communal feeling because I think we need to and I think again what I'm talking about people doing it in Ghana setting up a fertility clinic in Ghana a lot of these trials as we know are not with us in mind so mm. they don't take into account our genetic makeup what we eat all these type of things we and that's another thing why we there's a lack of trust for the system and for these trials and statistics and all that type of stuff so where we're not like, I can't, do you even know what you're doing when I go and see you? Are you going to take my account? Sent, um, are you going to be empathetic to me? Are you going to be sympathetic to me? Are you going to prod and probe me? And when I'm telling you it hurts, are you actually going to listen? Or are you going to think I'm a black alien that has um, high pain threshold? All these things will make it, this is a difficult, intrusive, and you've got to sit in front of someone that might not take your needs and your culture and your race and everything into account whilst dealing with you. There's so much stuff which is like, you know what, let me give up and give it to God and hope for the best. And yeah. see, and we just keep persevering and you put every grief, every loss to the back of your mind, as black people tend to do. We keep on keeping on and just go through it until it's something that's so, like, there's no avoiding it. We have to actually address the fact that this is a serious issue and then by force we'll get the medical treatment and stuff like that. And then let's not talk about the, the payback, the, you know, how much it costs to get these and the real treatments and stuff like that. So there's a lot that needs to be done. No, you touched on so many points there. And just thinking about that whole medical side of it, that's that's what I was thinking that would probably be a real barrier because you're so vulnerable. And if you don't really have a good doctor that you feel comfortable sharing things with, you you may just feel way more comfortable with your pastor and leave it to prayer. But there's physical things that it, it only takes like a little operation or just changing your hormonal balance. But if you're not going to explore it because you don't trust doctors or you don't even, you don't even know that it's out there because when Auntie Sade was saying about sex in the city and, and Charlotte going through that, I remember, I think I'd already heard about um, having an egg donor before, but who knows even why I knew that information. It's not something that, you kind of know until you're firmly in that world of like trying that all of these different things become like into your realm. And it is like, yeah, you don't get taught this. And I wasn't sure of the stat 
about black women being or uh, black couples having a higher rate of infertility i was like no i i i don't see the evidence of this but i definitely think there is a stigma to like just going through the medical processes and i do think trust is a huge part of that because it is invasive there's just no way around it you're going to have people prodding you you're you're, you're going to have internals like all the time but then also on the nhs it takes so flipping long mm. and just that whole thing of waiting for appointments is so soul destroying if you don't have the money to go private i think that process in itself would stop people from carrying on it's it's nowhere close to the process of adopting but it's very similar just why people don't go through with adoptions because it's so intrusive into your life in all aspects of it it just feels like there's too many hurdles to overcome so you kind of pull out of that process and the same with fertility it takes so long just to get an ultrasound you could be waiting five months and it's like it doesn't need to take you that long but if you don't have the 200 pounds to do it you're gonna wait and the older you get the more you are like I don't have the time to wait then it just makes me I, I just know too many black women who are older and now they found their partner and it's just like oh this is it's it's hard to watch really I think yeah um I just wanted to throw in as well that, that I I know the couple that I said that are looking into this situation they're not allowed to look into the situation until they are actively trying and that's such a, it's, it to me it's, it's it's as annoying as when they say young girls can't have a smear test until you're yeah. whatever age it's so ridiculously stupid that you can't like at least from the age of 16 but though also when someone wants to prepare because the treatment from what i understand is a long preparation to the treatment yeah. and all that you've got to prepare your body and get ready for it and then stopping not giving people the facts when they're like trying to plan so they can plan for those who do want to plan for their future and also just to touch on that by the way I think also are we I think the lack of information I think it does it crosses cultural because we don't our sex education in school is so ridiculous from school to school and life education in regards to relationships and the things that we need to be prepared for rather than this is a man this is a woman we don't get great sex education and life education there's one thing but also that Black people aren't also necessarily raised to dream and plan for relationships. You know what I mean? I think there's so much, and this might be a bit of a broad stroke, but I I didn't get that plan for a husband, like plan your future in that way. It was education, don't get pregnant. <laughs> After the fact, where's your man? Where's your kids? There's the nuances, and I and I, and this and this, I don't think it's exclusive to black people, but this is the community that I know, and for my way that the people that I know were raised. It wasn't this kind of goals and like, okay, so when you want to get pregnant, these are the things you should, I don't know, that planning for a family future in the 2.4 sense of the word wasn't in my upbringing in that way. It was said it was going to happen, but the, the, the steps to get there weren't necessarily taught. I don't know how it is in other communities and stuff like that. But back to the fact of lack, not being able to get the tests that you need to get at the time when you want to plan for stuff, it's also a, a disservice to us. Yeah. Let's, yeah, um, yeah. There's lots of um, comments. Let's get some comments, please. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. okay. So we. Do you want to? Take... Shall I go with a queers one? Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. This is another long one. <laughs> I don't believe the stats. I think we have to be very, 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 very careful not to give ourselves another problem. Birth rates in black populations are not no 
are not lower than that of whites. So why should they be here? The white population is in the minus. Uh, they are replacing, uh, they are not replacing themselves. The black population is not in the minus. So why should we have a higher infertility rate? The maths don't work. But if we come to believe it, then it will become so. Racism works by projecting all white ills and illness on us. So I'm not sure that I believe these stats. They don't stack up. Sorry, aunties. I know that there are many black women who are infertile, but let's not make ourselves more so than the white population. This view feels dangerous. And Ray says women carry their partner's shame on top of theirs, keeping that cl cloth. Closh. Closh over the t issue. Cloth. I don't know what that means. But sadly, there are often many treatments treatments <laughs> that could help once people start opening up about embracing issues um, um let me just go to um, quickly to insta and on dreamstars um 78 says unfortunately there's also a thing called medical racism black women are less likely to be referred for investigative treatment so that's a fact there we go. Yeah, I don't think that's what the article was saying, though, to um, a queer. It really wasn't. Um, that stat is there, but I, the, uh, the full length of the article isn't to say that black women are um, way more infertile than white women, because I don't think that's factual in any way. And by all that they do in Africa would would show that, that they're trying to make Africans infertile. So I don't think that's it. There definitely is a rise in infertility in the West of Black and Asian women. And that it's probably has so many different factors. It's stress, diet, environment, lack of vitamin D. There's so many factors that were not supposed to be in this environment and our bodies are continuously adapting to it. And things happen to us like where our hormones are not at the levels that they should be but it's being aware of that in your body if you're not and you can't get tested if you don't know that you have a low egg reserve because you won't get tested for that until you say that you're trying and you haven't been able to conceive you, you don't know how your body's running these things should be the same as having a blood test mm -hmm. they've never taken our blood but they don't want to tell us about our fertility. That doesn't make any sense. Get, what are they even doing with our blood? Why is it that whenever you go to the doctor, he wants to do a blood test on you? Where are all of the files? They're feeding vampires. vampires. <laughs> They're cloning us. You know. You know. You know what? I, you, uh, I like that, Shadi. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You know, they're giving it to a certain points that won't live. <laughs> He has somebody's heart. Okay, let's not. Um, I don't want to talk about whose heart he's got. I don't oh, want to know. Guys, what okay, 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 okay. Let's move on. Um, it's an interesting topic. We'll definitely revisit it. Um, because there's, there's, it's an interesting article as well. I'll drop it in. Try and drop it in the comments later on on Facebook. Um, so next. What have you heard, Auntie Sade? Okay, and I do guys. have a click to compliment your bit. Oh, brilliant! Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, everyone say hello to Honey first of all. Hello, Honey. Hello, Honey. Okay, honey. Thank you. Okay, 
good. Um, so, ladies and audience, people, everybody, guys, do. Um, let's talk about Sharon Osbourne. So, okay. last week, <laughs> she came out in support of Piers Morgan after he quit Good Morning Britain, after he refused to apologise for his comments about his negative comments, let me say, um, on Meghan Markle. Um, so Sharon thought that, you know, let me go to Twitter and support my friend. And she got some backlash, rightly so. Um, if you didn't know, Sharon is a co-host on CBS's uh, The Talk. And uh, her colleague, Cheryl Underwood, basically G-checked her. Um, in my opinion, it was the most politest, most grace, graceful G-check I've ever seen in my life. So she's even lucky. But anyway, um, basically, she uh, said that she she should help her understand her support. Um, uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I just lost my Can I do it? Can I do what she, she said? should help her. Cheryl should help her understand um, that uh, her support for peers, that Sharon's support for peers was basically uh, potentially a racist point of view. Should I play the clip? Oh, you got yes, it? go for it, oh. and then I'll finish, yeah. Okay. So cool. this is the clip. In my life. How can I? Well, 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 I well what? We will be right well, back. What? We have more topics, so don't go away. I will ask you again, Cheryl. I've been asking you during the break. I'm asking you again. And don't try and cry. If anyone should be quiet, it should be me. This is the situation. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me. Tell me when you have heard him say racist things. Educate me. Tell me. It, it is not the exact word of racism. It's the. There's a little bit of feedback, so I'll stop that now. I think you guys, did you guys go on mute when I played it? Oh, I don't know what that was. It's horrendous. That's okay. like in the mornings in Grenada. Okay. Oh, the Chicago. So- so basically, sorry about that, guys. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just repeat some of the bits, um, just so in case you didn't hear that. But basically, um, when Cheryl, Sharon's co-host, G checked her, Sharon basically exploded, right? So she shouted, "Tell me what have you heard him say? Uh, racist things? Educate me!" And then she continued to scream at Cheryl, like literally scream at her, um, at Cheryl, and says, "Don't you dare cry!" I should be the one that's I feel crying. Like we should have um, acted this out because <laughs> I wanted to. The, the drama in me is wanting to <laughs> do it. Educate me! Educate me! When have so you yeah. heard him say it? <laughs> so she was basically she was just acting just wild. So anyway, they had to cut to commercial. Oh my god, my Siri, just stop. I don't I hate Siri. So yeah, it's just popping up. So anyway, they had to cut to commercial and um because Sh- Sharon was just swearing down the place during the break she was swearing down the place as well. And then I think in the next day or so she apologizes. So in her apology she says that um quote I panicked, felt blindsided uh, blindsided, got defensive and allowed my fear and horror of being accused of being racist take over. So anyway, we've heard that many times before in many different forms. But anyway, um, 
there was more to this story because it looks like Sharon has said some questionable things on the show before. So back in 2018, she... Um, allegedly well there's a video so it's not really allegedly <laughs> she said Meghan Markle ate black and then went on to say that she doesn't she doesn't look black but I think in the context of what she was saying it wasn't really appropriate for her to say it like the way she was saying it um, even though, even if people think that that is true um, also a formal um, co-host uh, Holly Robinson Pete, I think her name is, mm-hmm. has accused Sharon of saying uh, that uh, she was too ghetto for the show, and shortly mm-hmm. after she was fired. And this apparently happened in 2011. Um, Sharon obviously has come out and denied this. Um, and anyway, so CBS are said they they are investigating. They've issued a statement in which they say we're committed to a diverse, inclusive, and respectful workplace. Um, and the show actually, at the moment, is taking a, a hiatus, so it's not actually airing right now. So, what do you guys think? Do you think that Sharon should keep her job, lose her job? Was her apology acceptable for you? What do you guys think? Auntie Nana, uh, you know what? I absolutely loved that Sharon had this moment of white pathology on TV for everybody to see so that we could all see from start to finish how absolutely ridiculous she presented herself. And so people have a real working framework for themselves to be like, this is what I look like when I when I break down to this scale. Like actually shouting at Cheryl, I, I don't know how she kept her cool in that moment, but shouting at her in that way was, it, it, we've seen the Karens do it so often and just being scared to be called racist when you absolutely are being racist and you just threw everything you could at this woman and it still did nothing to her, I think absolutely broke Sharon down. Like, really, she couldn't handle it. She wanted Cheryl to come back at her. So then it could have been like, oh, but we had an argument. But her just keeping her cool and letting her go the gamut of the fear experience and anger that we get thrown at so often, it, oh, it, was, it was a brilliant piece of TV to watch. But for Sharon, no, she absolutely should lose her job because she showed her ass. And I think that her her racism was peak level. And if I was her boss, I'd be like, you're a liability because you don't even know how to hold this system up. You're, you're, you're a part of the crumbling facades of this that we're trying to have on stilts. So she should lose her job just for that. She did a shit job. So like, why was you defending Piers? That you had nothing to do with it and you're not equipped to defend him and do it well without losing your temper and showing all of the sides of racism. So for that alone, she should she should be removed from the institution. She, she's a liability. And I love that her um, co-host has gone to HR. It's her name, Elaine, the one that um, used to be the editor of Teen Vogue, that she's gone to HR and has put in a complaint that Sharon um, was racially insensitive during the show. So, I, yeah, I'm just loving that all of the black people are getting together and being like, OK, we need to protect ourselves. She definitely needs to go. Auntie Farah. Cheryl was amazing during that 
the way that she kept her cool and just calmly put Sharon in her place was amazing. So there's a few points there. When Sharon was ranting, she was talking about how could she possibly be racist at her age, right? Then in her statement, (laughs) her apology statement, she says, we're all still learning. And, you know, even at her age, we're all still learning. Which one is it, love? (laughs) Which one are are you learning how to write an apology or are you actually learning how not to be racist? As you said, this was not her fight. If you want to defend your brethren, the best thing that she could have done is, I feel for Piers, I will speak to him. That's it. I can't comment on what he said, but I will speak to him as a friend. That's it. It's not for her to go on national television and start chatting and demanding that a black person explains to her what is racist. (laughs) I said it last week and I'm saying it again. I am sick and tired of us having to explain to somebody the levels of it. You know what it is. You know what Pierce said. You know what about it is racist. I do not need to be called the N-word or a black bitch for it to be racist. There are so many different levels of racism. Just because you haven't said those words does not mean that it's not racist. If you ask me about my fucking hair all the time, every time I go in, but Becky, who sat down next to me, who has her hair up and and has it down every other day, and you don't say anything, that is racist. If I've got to explain these things to you, that's racist. I'm just, I'm I'm sick of it. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. So one of the producers that used to work on the show, when Holly Preet was on the show, produced receipts, because when Holly came out and said what she said about Sharon, at first Sharon was like, I've got an email from you and you were saying to me, oh, oh, it's so wonderful and thank you for everything that you've done for me. But that was before Holly was given the information that she was actually sacked because Sharon said that she was too ghetto and there was receipts of information proving this. So, you know, Sharon's just of that rich white woman. She went full Karen on national television and she should be sacked. No one doesn't need to see that type of behaviour. Auntie Shadow. I think you're still on mute, girl. Auntie, you're still on mute. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot, I forgot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so as I was saying, so I, I agree with Auntie Nana um, in terms of, like, he's literally, like, a textbook um example of how someone tries to um I, I would say in particular white women um racist white women let me clarify um try to deflect from their racist behavior and 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 think that the the act the act of accusing someone of being racist is more detrimental than the racist act itself which is insane it's just pure insanity um and you know she showed her ass man seriously i i really hope that she loses her job because actually no one asked her to come and say anything yeah she took herself to twitter and put it on there which can only show only kind of like really um shows how much reach peers that she does have because I think he's calling in favours. I think he's like, you know what? I helped you at this time. You owe me. Because don't forget, remember, he was the editor of the Daily Mirror in the UK. Um, 
big tabloid newspaper, number number two tabloid newspaper, right? At one point, number one. So like, you know, he, he knows where all the skeletons are buried. <laughs> he knows where all the bodies are buried. So he's pulling in favours. And Sharon, like, like Auntie Nana said again, like, she just didn't have the range to be able to deal with it at all. Like, what are you doing? What was you thinking? You're having a tantrum like a child on national television. Are you okay? Like, is everything okay at home, love? Like, seriously, like, what's going on? Like, I was just like, nah, this girl, this this woman, this this crinkly woman, she needs she needs to go. She needs to absolutely go. Um, and also as well, I think it was very frustrating actually watching Cheryl. I thought it was yes, it's amazing that she was calm, but this is the thing about you know being a black woman that you're not allowed to be angry even when you're within your right to be angry. Do you know what I mean? Because even if she if she had expressed any kind of of um, power, any any type of assertion in her voice, you know that would have been, it, they would have cut Sharon's bit out. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It would have been Cheryl attack Sharon, da, 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 and all this stuff. And some of the, the you know, the, the, news, the news out there, they did try to say they got into a spat. It wasn't a spat. Sharon had a breakdown. That's what she had. She had a freaking breakdown because she thought she was being accused of being a racist. And that wasn't actually even as a, the case because I think Cheryl um, was generally coming to her as a friend to say, you know what, this could, this is seen, it's coming across a bit. Do you want to take a moment to clarify? Like, take the fucking hint. Do you know what I mean? You could have clarified and did the whole thing, but no, you doubled down. You doubled down, bitch. <laughs> you played yourself. <laughs> you played yourself. So yeah, I hope I hope she goes. I hope she goes. I'll be smiling if she gets kicked off. Just before oh. you answer, I just want to say that um it, it kind of reminds me of another chat show that we watched only last week where a black woman had to calmly put someone else in their place who didn't quite understand the implications of racism. What show was that? Uh, the interview, no? Oh, it's women, mate. Do you not watch loose women? Loose women. No, I don't. I didn't watch it. I don't watch loose women. No, I didn't watch it either. No. Okay. I get tired of it. This is the thing. As I'll answer, this I get tired of the whole thing. Um, what I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, what annoys me? I'm with you, Auntie Sade. I was so frustrated that Cheryl had to be like talking to a little three-year-old. Now, now, little girl, calm down, little girl. Now, listen, little girl. This is what we're saying, little girl. It was so frustrating. And the fact that Shannon, don't you try cry. I should cry. What the fuck? No one asked you to join the conversation about I should cry. No one told you to join the conversation. No one told you to get on your high horse and start spouting defense for a, a vile man who has history, history of being just vile, racist, sexist, misogynist, all the all the is that the um, peers could be. He's done it across his whole career. Why are you going out on a limb for this guy who was caught hacking dead girls' phones? What is your problem? And he hasn't like he hasn't atoned for his behavior. He hasn't changed his behavior. He's still a vile tabloid journalist-minded man. But you're going out on a limb, and then you're saying I should be the one to cry. I was so mad that she did that. Um, and I've never liked Sharon really. To be honest, there's nothing. She just reeks of that woman that thinks she knows culture, so mm. she can throw culture in people's faces. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's down with the kids. So one minute she'd be like, "Yeah, I know that black girl and that black. Yeah. I know a bit of." She's that 
annoying. I'm sure she said that. Yeah. I know she's that annoying person that thinks you know our culture. So you can dip in, think you know the words, think you know the linguistics, think you know all about black culture based on stereotypes. And then she can dip in and dip out when it suits you. You're for us when it feels like it. You're out of it. I never forget. I can't remember whether it was an advert or a campaign. And it was used and it was so she fetishized the black man. She said it was a was it a Channel 4 ad or something? It was a show and she said something about, yeah, I, 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 my fantasy is to sleep with a black man. No, we're not, you're not, we're not your playthings. Not because when your man is out here guzzling bats and not in a fit state to satisfy you. <laughs> you talked about him not satisfying you, all that type of stuff. What are you talking about? Black man, don't come here. Don't get on my nerves. Don't, and, for, and do you know what? A PSA warning. Any black man that's laid down with you, listen don't let me get started it's nonsense the whole thing and it is that why have we got to um the thing is is she and the thing is that's another thing if as you lot said if cheryl and uh, um oh girl i can't remember her name um girl from woman from vogue if they um i think it is elaine i feel like elaine's not right but okay if it's elaine i could um, be wrong sorry please look i want to get her yeah. name right because i do love her um uh, if they had been combative, they would have been accused. But yet she was combative. You're talking about you want to learn. Why are you coming with big energy, like cussing and like, tell me, tell me. No, sit down. Okay, you know what? I yes. might have done that. Yeah, it's, it's Elaine. Elaine Welteroff. Well, Welteroff? Okay. Welteroff. Yeah. Elaine. Anyway, Elaine. Miss, Miss Elaine, Brad Gale Elaine. Um, why you in your white woman's privilege you like you could be aggressive you could be combative you could say what you want to have attitude because you know everyone's going to rally around you you're taking away these black women's energy and the fact that the show's got to go on hiatus because of you people's got to be out like i mean obviously they probably get their paychecks and stuff yeah but you're pausing people's livelihood in quotes because of your nonsense these women were doing fine you know the show was going fine so you decided to have a little white woman meltdown i don't think so love go leave these women alone and let them get on with their show. Cheryl, you did the you did the damn thing, but I kind of wish you I just wish that you had you found another way to get her, but without you coming off the bad guy. So I get it, but I felt like she was too emotional. And, and that thing where um because there was a there was a sorry, tangent. There was um a, I can't remember her name, there was a BAME woman she was describing, she's a black woman who's a peer or a lord or something, who came out the other day to say the to defend the royal family, say they're not racist. I need black people to stop saying this person's not racist. I need black people to stop defending white people because you cannot get, you can't even tell me if I'm racist or not. You don't know me. You don't know what's in my head. I could sit there saying the N word 20,000 times and I hate black people. You don't know me and you definitely don't know white people. So stop coming out in public and defending anyone. Don't defend them. And Cheryl, coming at you like a friend, you're my friend. Mm, I don't know about that. Really. I need you to really, is Sharon Osman really your friend, Cheryl? But you know, she was just playing the game. Because Cheryl is a dark-skinned woman. She's been placed in those situations before where she's come across and been painted as the angry black woman. She was really using therapeutic skills to hold back in that one so that you cannot get me weaved up in your web that you're trying to weave us all into. And she just played it perfectly. Obviously, you know there was stuff. I think even when she started off with um, I will not, and everybody thought she was going to say, like, oh, you can't use me to, like, explain this for you. Like, she had a beginning sentence that you thought was going to go another way. I think she's turned it that way just through skills. Just like, oh, you're not even going to get me on this. I'm not going to be defensive with you in any way. I am going to give you the grace and empathy that we would expect from you. 
And she went peak Karen again. And it was like, oh, this is a masterclass. This is brilliant because we've got it on video. Like, really, this could have happened backstage and, and it would have been Cheryl's word and nobody would have believed her because Sharon would have lied because she's a liar. Um, can I just read um, part of my sister's blog? I think it's a, it's a really good one. I thought maybe she would add it to the, to the, um, the page. I'll try and read it really fast. Okay, so this is from my sister, Aquia. She says, I've been seeing posts all week about men's unacceptable behaviour towards women. Piers Morgan was a prime example of that. Just because Meghan exercised her right not to have any further contact with him after one evening's drink, Piers spent around four years hounding her. But once his unfair behaviour was exposed, he couldn't stand it and he left his job. But... What has been curious has been the way in which white women who defend him have not seen his behaviour towards Meghan as in any way bad. They have instead called it free speech. Sharon Osbourne often said it's okay for, even said it's okay for peers to not like Meghan. It's okay for a man to hound a woman for four years who didn't return his calls. Really? I've heard Sharon speak in plenty of times it must have just been some women she was talking about. This is how racism works when it rises in people. It stops you from giving the other the same level of benefits of humanity, sympathy and opportunity as those you consider to be like yourself. It's time for people to check themselves because when you are not, when you cannot see the humanity in the other, you cannot see it in yourself. People do not know this and wonder why they are unhappy and depressed. The process of identifying the racist within and letting that go is a process of radical self-love and healing. Cool. That's yeah, the word. Also, yeah, can I just add that? Everyone keeps on forgetting that Pierce is married, you know. He's been married to him. Imagine. And really? Uh, exactly. Yeah. And, he, and, and, his, and his wife is a journalist who was writing hateful, hateful pieces in the press about Megan. It's, it's an wild. open, it's an it's open marriage. I didn't know he was married. Yes, he's not he's new married. married. Okay. He's old married. The thing and is, like, you not... went on a date and you said you sat down and done an interview with your smug self saying that you went on a date with her. Are you mad? You're wow. crazy. And your wow. wife is there writing pieces against Meghan. Really? Come on. They need to be investigated. The whole lot of them. Wow. Let's get some comments, please. And then, yeah, let's get the comments. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, on Facebook, we have Zell Sugar has said, um, this is white fragility, white centrality. There was a meltdown. And Sistrin says, Sharon needs to go and look at her biting head off a live bat husband and shout at him. Cheryl was so good. Uh, Nicholas says, Sharon is either protecting a racist or stalker. Pick your poison. Candy says, we've all been in that situation. It's a really what the fuck moment. Sistrin says, um, Sharon has so many questionable, has done so many questionable things we raised. Does anyone remember her Channel 4 soundbite years back where she said she wished she slipped with her? Uh, so that's what it was, a soundbite. 
Okay, and just going through and seeing. Oh, and then my the, my sister again, a queer, just says Piers Morgan married his wife, occupied the white slaver's wife position. Wow. Listen, and let me go to Insta quickly. Um, Nats K3 says, don't forget, she said she felt like she was in the electric chair. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Nats, Nats also said, let her keep her job and feel uncomfortable for the rest of her days. Now nah, she needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. Abner the actress, Abner the actress says Pierce and Sharon deserve each other. Sharon reminds with Karen. Culturist says it was demeaning. I was glad that my lady kept her cool. And this is how we need to tackle this nonsense behavior. Um, Culturist also says it's the tones. It's the foolish questions. In this day and age, we have more than Britannia books. Why do we need to teach? Um, Dreamstar 70 says typical racist, racial narcissism, racial gaslighting. Uh, who else? Canstagram says the pain in Elaine's face was visible. She was hurting and probably used to it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. So working boy, at Vogue, she must have been. Yeah, she's man, probably seen worse than that. Probably, and the fashion industry in general, like mate. Um. Okay. So we'll see. She needs to go. Auntie Farah, what have you heard? Everything twice because I've got yeah. two ears in. <laughs> Um, so I would like to talk. It is it is awards season, people. And a couple of days ago, saw the Grammys, and we're coming up. And then the Oscar nominations come out came out. And amongst the Oscar na- nominations, we have Viola Davis, we have Daniel, we have lots of people. And um, you know, Auntie AK, you can do the list or go onto TVB and you'll have the full list there. But basically. It's a lot more diverse than it has been in recent years. You know, there were a lot more black people nominated for Grammys. There were a lot more black people nominated for Oscars. Do we think that diversity has actually found a home within the awards system? Or do we think it is a knee-jerk reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement that happened last year? I shall answer that first. Yes, it's a knee-jerk reaction. However, there are lots of implications and rules and guidance that have been put into these, um, like they've broadened out, diversified their membership. They're um, forcing all, you know, members of different of these different groups to take unconscious bias training for whether you think that works or not. There's all these things that have been happening. There's been lots of conversations behind closed doors about how to not appear so racist and exclusionary. Um, so there's stuff that's happening. So this year had to be a reflection of the work that's been done. Will it be long term? I don't know what we um, and am I pleased? Not really, because I feel like sometimes when this uh, let me let me rephrase that. I'm pleased for the, you know, the people that have been nominated because I think they've done great for nom- people who are nominated this year. I don't feel they're tokenistic. I think when we talk about the Oscars, specifically from my perspective, I don't think the nominations were tokenistic. I think everyone that's been nominated from the black perspective um, and um, for the guys who are in Minari, the East Asian actors and people who are involved in that, they deserve their nomination. So I don't think it was tokenistic. However, this is a problem when you have overly concentrated and focused on diversity, then the weight and the brev- and the what do you call it, the weight and the gravitas of the nomination gets diluted by people saying, well, is this a diversity move? And then you never want to be the black person in the room. Like You don't want to be the diversity hire. You don't want to be the diversity nomination or win. So this is what I want to do is do away with all this diversity crap and let people be nominated and win on the back of actual quality and excellence. That's it. Take the race out of it. If there's no black films that are worth it this year, then we'll suck it up. That's what it is. If there are black films that are worth it, let's not have 
this kind of mindset, oh, no, no, this is all tokenistic, let's do this, because and all this type of stuff. I think, um, so my, my the jury's out, whether this is going to be ongoing. There have been rules and regulations put into this thing where it can't won't be as easy to not nominate or ignore certain projects and i think we've all come together as a community and like we're not let we're not having it we will do a hashtag quickly and get you cancelled with the quickness so i think our reactions to the nonsense is there but um i'm a bit annoyed that it took it has to take all this stuff literally someone to die and literally for people to be at wit's end mentally and physically to just have some simple thing like let's get the worthy people nominated and let's get the worthy people winning so, and also the whole thing of awards is a bit mad as well in itself. It's a whole other conversation. Auntie Shade. Um, yeah, as you was just saying that, I think, uh, I always think of that, um, I don't know who, where it originated from, but the fact that, um, that you have to fight racism with every generation. Do you know what I mean? So it's just always going to, it always seems like it's always going to be a, a a big effort to kind of remind people, okay, yeah, like, uh, don't be racist in your nominations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, and stuff. But, um, yeah, I think, um, I, I don't, I don't really like the term knee jerk, but, but I guess that's what it is. I guess, I guess that what it is. Yeah, I think, I feel like they felt the pressure. Auntie Shade, is it because it's Negro? Is it a racial term? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even going <laughs> not even that, but like because I do feel like those people deserve to be there. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. I don't want to I don't want it to you know, like I don't like the idea like oh it's just false. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not talented, they're definitely talented and they're they're definitely worthy. But like I think like with you, Auntie Aiken, what you was uh, alluding to is that I just don't like the fact that, you know, that people look at these awards that are not for us as you know desirable in the first place like I'm just not really like I don't really uh, like it's cool it's I like I like a performance <laughs> like I like a nice performance um and I like it a bit glitzy and glamoury and all that kind of stuff but the aspiration to get to to be awarded or to be uh do you know what I mean what's the word um Recognised, validated. Recognized, just, validated. Just, yeah, that's it. Yeah, kind of thing. Right, I, don't, I don't need your recognition. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. I don't need your recognition. Do you know what I mean? So that that's. I, I wish more people were were like that. To be honest, like fund them, fund them all, kind of thing. And and let's just have awards that um that we own. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing that are that are seen as a uh, valuable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's where I was going to go and thought, let me pause. Um, Auntie Nana. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add to it. You guys have said it all. Um, yeah, I, I just agree. I've been leaning way more with Auntie Sharda. I kind of, I don't, I know money-wise that this can, you know, you get an Oscar and it absolutely like can skyrocket your your pay, your next pay package and, and the scripts that are coming towards you. But overall, I don't, I don't, I wish people valued it less. Um, and everybody that has been nominated to me, they put on um, worthy performances. The thing that struck me was this new wave of um, films that's, so we've gone away from the kind of runaway slave stuff. So they see like black folks are really wising up to 
um, trauma porn and the slave narrative doesn't get the, the, the applause that it once did. And now we seem to go down the road of the, um, uh, the Judas type story. So there just seems to be a run of like, so I'm, I'm going off of watching Billie Holiday and it having that same theme of the betrayal of black people, like the, the complicit um, black person in the downfall of another black person and them being a highlight in a film and the white person kind of being over there like just, oh, they were pulling the strings, but if they didn't have this black person like kind of bringing you down, it may not have happened type of thing. I really don't like this new narrative being forced down our throats. And although this, the performances are great, it feels like a similar type of thing. Like they're just trying to turn the tap on another way where black people were a part of this oppression story and we're still going to take the gaze off of a white person and give you a, the black characters centralised and we're going to give them awards as well. Could say this is cynical, but it's irking me that this uh, is... I agree. They're, they're I agree. the winners. They're, they're the ones that are being nominated and it's the same type of story. I'm Absolutely. Really by it. Absolutely. Um, Auntie Farah? Yeah, it's that tragic black lead, isn't it? There's got to be a bit of pain mm. in there in order for them to get an award. Like Denzel had to be a slave, didn't he, to get an award. There's always going to be a Halle Berry had to go through what she went through to get an award. There's always going to be a bit of um, pain there. Um, I, I definitely think that the people that are nominated deserve to be nominated, but they have been in, uh, they have deserved to be nominated in the past. So I don't. That's my issue. Um, I do think it is a bit of a knee jerk reaction. I feel like if they didn't do this people would be more outraged because it's like have you still not learnt um what I love is that Viola Davis has long sent long said that she is the black Meryl Streep and now she really is because she's the most nominated black female actress ever in history with this is her fourth nomination and you know if she wins it will be her second Oscar second yeah second Oscar I think um and then talking about the Grammys, Beyonce became the most nominated, most um, Grammy award winning female, black female or otherwise. But she, you know, there's only one person above her that's been, been um, has received more Grammy nominations or Grammy awards. So I think they had to make sure that they did something because of the repercussions that people would face, especially given the year that everybody had last year. And it is well deserved, but I feel like my my thing is they tend to do this for a year to quiet everyone down and then they revert back to norm. I know that they have put things in place to make it more diverse because I know that they've they've increased their number of um voters by I think uh it's gone up to eighteen percent where it was a lot lower a few years ago. I'm talking about the Oscars now. So I know that they are doing things in twenty twenty four there's gonna be a lot more diversity within the way that they have to vote and the things that they have to look for when voting. But with that said, 18% versus the rest is still quite low. So I still feel that they do have a long way to go. And there's only so much that 18% can do in an industry like that. Um, I think when you are an actor or, or a musician, even though those, those awards are not necessarily for us, you always want to do your very best, don't you? And at the moment, that seems to be the pinnacle of 
you've reached your success because of the things like you said, Auntie Nana, that that can come once you've done that. You've got a lot more say in Hollywood about the roles that you take, the money that you make, the films that you can do, the investment that you can get from other people. So I think sometimes that tends to be the driving force if someone is nominated because they go on this whole train, don't they? Once they get nominated, they're now just on one on this whole train until the actual award ceremony. So I think it just needs to be used in the right way for them and to brute and to move our own platforms forward. But um yeah, that was it. I just wanted to know what you guys thought. Um, so for me, um, also echoing what everyone said, uh, the, going back to the fact that the awards are the gateway to the industry, it's and I get that double-edged thing because it's like I always, always, always quote Five Dog, rest in peace. I never let a statue tell me how nice I am. And But you can't necessarily help the reaction that actually if this thing gets you through the gates and gets you to be able to do tell the stories that you want to tell, you might just get on the train just to do that. But we do have to support our... Um, own awards a lot more but I remember writing an article that got me into trouble with some people who were offended by it but I said that how many um, award black awards stay on people's lists when they're referencing them as they get higher up the ladder how effective which black awards are effective which actually when you're in the room talking about I'm Oscar nominated or I'm black or black award body nominated which one does the industry take seriously and there's a reality to that and you know, the NAACP awards, by the way, are the Sunday 28th of March. So we got to get behind that. Um, and we don't have necessarily as strong awards in the UK as much over here. We have the smaller ones and stuff like that. We, we've got to build up some stuff like that. So but it is about getting into the room. And when you're making those negotiations and saying I'm so and so nominated or winning, what does that do? So there's a reality to it. But yes, in the grand scheme of things, we want to be recognized for our craft for our quality, for our skill, and let the awards create this hierarchy that's very, very um, cliquey, very, very um, exclusionary, and it isn't always um, uh, fair and honest. And uh, we've had this conversation about the Hollywood foreign press, that um, the organisation... And I, from even me being in the industry like this, I've actually never even thought about who the Hollywood foreign press are. So with those of you who watch awards regularly like I do, especially the film awards, they tend to say, the American ones, and say thank you to the Hollywood foreign press. Now that this is actually a collective of about 81 members. None of them are black in all the years. I think they've been around for, I can't remember how many years, maybe not, how many years, as long as the Oscars have been around, there's been the Hollywood foreign press. And um, they're, 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 none of them are black. And the whole thing, and apparently, this is, I don't know if I'm <laughs> exposing stuff, but apparently that they're very wined and dined and schmoozed by certain people in the industry in order to get on that promo train. Because best believe when you're seeing posters and campaigns and actors doing the promo run, this is why Monique got into trouble. This is to sell the film. And this is another conversation that they're having with the mem- with the organisation is that how do you turn the members off from all the noise around? So you've got the trades, you've got all the popular magazines that talk about all the films and stuff and the music and magazines, all the platforms that talk about this stuff, myself included. If we start hyping stuff and you are like, just to give you some, some understanding, you can have this like about 300, 400, 500 films that you might have to watch if you're a voting member of any of these things. And you've got to get through them and cast your vote. It's probably impossible to get through them all. It's impossible. So you've got to then try and discern what you're going to watch and what you're going to vote on and what you're going to listen to, what you're going to vote on. And you might then just default to what's popular in the trades, what you your friends are talking about, what your culture is talking about. Because I trust, basically, when I, if I have to vote, I'm, my fo- primary focus is making sure that the black films that are nominated get their recognition and get fair diligence. So I have to do my job in that respect. And there's people are going to have to think the same thing for the group, if it's women, if it's men, if it's um, Asian or whatever the case. So it takes a lot of um, work to get through these lists and be really unconscious and 
unconscious with your bias and really be honest with what you're voting and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff. So the Hollywood foreign press have come into um, criticism for being um, for not having black people in it. So they now, yes. So now they're trying to recruit more black people into it. But I don't think that necessarily will change things because there's this whole group, this whole kind of schmoozing and getting to know each other. Do you know, and, do you know what we need? We need uh, the British Blacklist Awards. That's I've had this conversation many, oh, many years. Love, man, I was going to say that. Don't <laughs> um, worry, it's coming. Yeah, there's that. And also, so yeah, there's that. I mean, I've, but the thing is, that, but that's a real thing that from when I launched British Blacklist in 2012, that's conversations have been had every single year. And we've tried, I've, I've looked at it, I've attempted, but I thought, do you know what it is? Because also some of our black talent, when they get to the mainstream award nominated or winning, that black award drops off their, they don't, how many people, and, and this is not to cuss anyone, because you know about the power of it, we all sucked in by this. How many people say I'm black award nominated ahead of saying they're Oscar nominated or Brits winning or, Mo, or do you know what I mean? The MOBOs might be the only one that they might keep mentioning throughout their career, but actually. Nah, if, they don't. Well, if you get a Grammy, they don't mention Mobos. Other than just to say, yeah, they don't do like Auntie Nana said. They don't say I have a Mobo and I have a Grammy. The only time they will mention the Mobo in that context is if they're getting dug out somehow and they're like, yeah, I saw what if I went to the Mobos and I looked like rah rah rah. That's when they mention the Mobos. They the two do not go together. So this is the thing. So then that's that's the part where I was like, well, I for me personally, bit of ego and stuff like that, but I want. If I'm going to do a British Blacklist Awards, I want it to be that you feel like having this award will get you through a door. Do you know what I mean? That's not the only reason to do it. But in the end, what's the point? If no one's going to celebrate it and it's got doesn't carry any weight with you and you're going to be like, yeah, I got an Oscar and then forget that the British Blacklist is ABC. This is the problem that we have for us to deal with. That doesn't excuse the industry for being exclusionary because every industry has its benchmarks. If you if you into awards and it helps you. It should just be a level playing field when we're talking about nomin- everything. It shouldn't be about diversity. It should just be like, this was good. You won on merit. And yes, this whole thing about um, the, the traitor that's getting celebrated, those type of films, started with Django. Never, ever will forgive Quentin Tarantino for that film. Bun him oh, for that on, film. Man. Django's a... Bun <laughs> him, bun him. Django was supposed to... No, anyway, don't let me get started on Django. Um, and also this whole thing about the black leader that gets murdered. That's another thing to mm. speak of. But also that's part of our story. So I get where, as we're advancing away from the slave narrative, now it's about our leader's narrative. And we're going to go through a process, black people. We are going through a process of telling our history. So there's it's, some stuff. It's not that. It's I, get, I know what you're saying. It's I know I get what you're saying. Yeah, why would you not have... It doesn't matter which black civil rights leader that you have that got murdered. The story is the assassinators. Yeah, yeah, it did it. But you're always having the guy that was giving you the intel, and you want to give that. And it's like, don't try it. Like you guys were had fingers in so many pies. It was never one man that was that that led to this downfall. But presenting that one man as being so pivotal. That's problematic because it's not true. It's not yeah. factual. And we still are not seeing the shit that you guys are up to because you're still at it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like reframing the gaze. And it's, it's annoying because then there's the award that comes with it as well. And, it's, and, and obviously it's like, I want Daniel to win. Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating to see really. It is that. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, white, it's, it's kind of taking out the position of white people in history that's what it is yeah it's trying yeah, to it's, it's alleviating their responsibility 
that's that's Society. basically it, or their involvement. But they, and it, and it's wrong. It's 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 just so wrong. And it's just like, can we tell other stories, please, that just don't involve black pain? Can we tell some love stories, please? Can we tell some coming of, coming of age stories? I thought you were going to say like there's so much. Always, would you say so? Pain. I didn't hear that. Sorry, my bad. I thought you were going to say coming to America. Coming, coming. <laughs> oh. really we absolutely do not need that shit ever again. No. That will get nominated for an Oscar next year. Wait and see. Listen, oh, yeah, let's get, then I know it's trolling. Then I know they're trolling. Not. <laughs> let's get the comments. Let's get the comments. Auntie Nana. Okay. So we have Nicola says. I am having my own internal jokes. I'm imagining seeing Daniel winning and Dr. Umar Johnson losing his mind. Nothing to do with the topic, but it has me chuckling. A queer says the medium films are one of the biggest racist machines. I don't watch them. And I think black people and white allies should also not watch them. Black films are responsible for some of the worst modern treatment of black people. We need to take responsibility. If you're not the distributor or exec producer, you're helping somebody else's agenda. Nicola says, I'm all about supporting our own outlets and awards. Jeff Schumann says, well said, a queer. Uh, Victoria says, it will change because BPR firms are pulling out until they do so. There will be less pampering of the... HPFA, um, and there's a link because I, I have no clue what that's about, but I'm sure that's uh, uh, some industry stuff. Uh, Victoria goes on to say, you do not need an award that filmmakers, actors aspire to. That's why there is an uproar over Oscars. But the reality is most countries have a film academy that are mostly white. And last week was the Caesar in France and few folks mentioned it because non-French folks do not care about it and two black actors actually won leading awards. Uh, Queer says, sorry Auntie Sade, the racist machine will only make black pain media. They are racist. And Ronald says, the desire to win an award like an Oscar is something that movie actors have. I don't see why black actors shouldn't have that same desire. I disagree that the Oscars are not for us. When someone is a movie actor, no matter what their race is, they are us as far as Oscars are concerned. And Cindy says, coming to America is the number one film on Amazon. Nana, uh, though that's for you actually, okay. Um, And also I will DJ at the British Blackwood the British Blacklist Awards. <laughs> so that's taking something off the list. Red <laughs> Black actor and actresses should not accept these types of roles. And Candy says, I feel they're going to nominate Coming to America next year too. Red Border says, let white actors black up and then we patronise them with backlash let's not let them black up but let me get quickly get the um the comments from insta claudia wright says speaking on our last topic exactly cheryl is good it could never be my name could never be me my name is not miss mcclusky i'm not a teacher go read a book um culture says knee jerk for sure in regards to this conversation give it five years from now i'm so happy for my peeps that why make us wait so long for this we are worthy of more um thinking says whoa me i make it for live 
auntie them. Sorry for the terribly, terrible Jamaican that accent. Was, oh, come oh, on. Like, rewind and those also, 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 we're not Jamaican. Like, don't appreciate that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just saw the lyrics. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was reading on demand. Hey, it is what it is. Sorry, guys. He's Grenadian. Grenadian. He's not Grenadian. Is he not? He's no, he's other side. Oh, the other sorry. side. Where's he from? Dominica. Okay, that was a terrible Dominican accent. Okay. And Thinking says she, in, she is not the Black Meryl Streep. She is Viola Davis. Heard that. Um, we have to acknowledge our quality on its own merit without comparison to a white counterpart. True that. Tamara says exactly that, 100, 100, 100%. Dee Dee, yo Dee says, oh, TBB award would get you through the door. Hoping so. Thank you so. And yeah, cool. Thank you, guys. Let's get on with the next part. Uh, moving on to Aunties Know Best. Now, this is the part where aunties, those of you who, haven't, who are joining us for the first time, this is Aunties Know Best, because you know what? Aunties... Yeah, we need jingles. We need jingles. We need I'm jingles. Like, My name aunties... is Aunties. We're the best. All the people want our advice. It'll, 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 it'll. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. Because I was going to say, <laughs> I'm thinking it like they did in Coming to America for our own purposes. It will guide you. That's what I was going to say. Our advice will guide you, guys. Our advice will guide you. So basically, we're, we're going to give you some advice now. Some people have, we've found some problems that we're going to resolve. However, add caveat, we are giving advice. We're not doctors, we're not lawyers, we're not psychologists. So I beg you, don't come for us, try to sue anybody. If you take our advice, it doesn't work for you. This is just advice. Thank you. Now, aunties, who's got a problem that needs to be solved? I have I've got one. one. You go first, Auntie Shani. Okay, cool. Um, okay, right. So it's a bit bitty, yeah? But uh, it's come to me for a friend who's telling their friend's story, basically. So she has a friend. He's a guy that um, basically he's engaged to a girl and he um, he went on a stag do for, of one of his other friends, right? Do you know what I mean? Um, and that stag do was in African country. I think it's Gambia. So he went to a stag do in Gambia, met a girl there, yeah, and um, had a bit of a holiday romance, naughty, uh -huh. but had a holiday romance, um, and came back to England, yeah, uh, still engaged to his girl, loves his girl, loves his fiance, kind of thing, um, used to get married, but obviously because of lockdown, everything's been postponed, but they're, they, you know, they're, they're together still, but he's still, he's still been talking to this girl, that he met. Um, he then manages in that little episode where you could just, you know, fly out to Dubai or whatever. So he flies to Dubai, flies over the girl from Gambia to Dubai. I don't know how she got, but yeah. Um, just to see, just to make sure that there was nothing there. I'm saying this without judgment, by the way. Um, yeah. So just to see there's nothing out there, realizes he's actually in love with both of them. 100% in love. But this girl, this Gambian girl, is like, I'm open to be second wife. I don't mind. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So she's like, I can stay in Gambia. I just want children and just want your last name. I can stay in Gambia. Or I can come with you to England. Um, I want to 
I want to I want to uh meet your 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 fiance. Do you know what I mean? And stuff. And she's ready to she's ready to be, be a scrapple, mm-hmm. basically. And uh I guess the serious thing I've got to learn how to turn this up turn this off um basically what do you guys what do you think he he doesn't know what he should do right he doesn't know what he should do because he's like this girl is accepting him for who he is 100% but he's loves he still does love his fiance do you know what I mean what do you think he should do Auntie Farah. And this is 100% true, by the way. It's 100% true. When for you to come to me last, you don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can okay. answer. I've, I've got an answer. No, no, no. I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. I'm cool. All right. So, I think he needs to have a conversation with his fiance Because for all we know, the fiance could be like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said that. Because I went on my Hindu and I met Dexter and me and Dexter are vibing. And I just want to be like married to you because I love you. And we've got this thing going on. But at the same time, Dexter, get me, Dexter. So she might be like that. And then they can be a quad, quad, they can be a quad, quadruple. They can be that. But um, in t- his line about she knows the newting, she knows me and accepts me for who I am. How much time have they spent together? He went on a stag do. He came home. He went to Dubai. She came there. So, yeah, I'm not saying his feelings are not real, but he also doesn't know her that well yet. Maybe they should still spend some time getting to know her. But my main thing is this. He needs to talk to his fiance. His fiance might be open to things, and if his fiance isn't open to things, if he really loves her, he needs to let her go and carry on his journey, or decide, make, pick one. But he needs to be open and honest. I think I think he's been talking to her the whole time, so he's been yeah, talking talk, to her. But like, talk is talk. Talk is still, I mean, you know. People get I'm not saying, no, I, I understand this, and I understand this, but I'm just saying to to yeah, he just needs to talk to his missus put his cards out on the table because the problem is he can end up really really hurting her if he does if he's not on, if, honest with his feelings and he, he could equally end up hurting the new girl if he's not honest with his feelings the new girl's giving him the opportunity she's saying look i love you and i understand that you're in a situation i am happy to be part of that situation but in that case he needs to talk to the first woman because she might be like fuck you i don't want to be part of no situation it's either me or nothing or she might be like yeah dexter <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know about this Dexter angle because I think men never want that way. They, they, they want their way. They want the wives. They don't actually also want to be a a brother husband. But um, yeah, it's it's not gonna work really because you've cheated on the chick. It would be very different. If you would establish, if he had established a relationship and there was the communication of you would be my first wife and I'm open to having more, and she was open to that dynamic. But if they have a, a, a Western standard type of courtship and now they're engaged, and this chick is thinking now we're going to get married sooner or later, and then you bring in this angle of so when I went on that stag do, I banged Mary. I met Mary in Dubai. She's cool with you, Susan. And now it's not going to happen, really. Like, he's delusional. Or if if it works, 
uh, uh, yeah, that's like one in flipping a billion that this is going to go down the road that he wants it to. If I was him, if he was my brethren, I'd be telling him, you should just break off with the one that you're engaged with because it's probably never going to happen, dude. And just get with the Gambian one. She's cool. And then you work on having another second wife over here. That's the angle. If I was his bridger I would tell him, like, you, if you want to have two wives, then I'd be like, what's your financial situation? Do you know how expensive it is to have two wives? Like, do you really think you can, he, he can hold afford, up to? He can afford it. Ask. He can afford it. He, he can, can afford to have. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the first one, it's not going to work because she's had him without this the kind of um, dynamic going on. Like you need to start again. Like you need to find the women that are okay being in this sister wife situation. It can't be through cheating though as well. From all of the um, many polygamist um, documentaries I've watched, it doesn't go anywhere where they were cheating. You have to be very honest and and very clean with how you're bringing in a new person and then the other, and there's always jealousy. So it's like, you can't start off with this muddy water. It's not how it goes. Just advise him. There is some really good ones on Netflix. He should watch some of those documentaries so that he can get the game on how you do this. But what he's doing is wrong. Um, I think you guys all said it. I, 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 I would say that if you're going to break up with the woman that you're engaged to, I think you have to, what's the story? I've met someone else. Um, and it's by not the you, way, it's me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you can still tell her the truth because at this point you're breaking up with her. So I don't think there's anything wrong with telling her the truth about why you're breaking up with her. What's the point of lying? And there, there could be a small smidgen of a chance that the years that that's all have a many, how much time they put, she's put into this relationship, though you're saying on research it doesn't work, she might think that she might be able to handle it. And he's like, he might be like, okay, let's, um, see how it goes because I definitely love Miss Gambia and definitely going to be with her and if he if he feels like this because I mean uh, I don't know if you guys have watched the one and soulmate um soulmates on Amazon and yeah, the one is on Netflix they're both really it's good at, okay so I'll give no spoilers but they're both exploring the premise of scientifically being able to find the person that you're absolutely partnered with now soulmates takes it in difficult is is um separate stories for i think ep- eight episodes of separate stories so it explores the many different ways it could go right it could go wrong even though you're matched to this person how this soulmate doesn't always work out the way a soulmate can be but you're actually matched to this person and the one kind of yeah there's got lots of things i don't want to spoil it for you but the thing is is that this whole thing where you could speak to someone and just know if that's what this guy's feeling, then that's for real. And I don't think you can turn that off. And if that's for real, there's no point in dragging another woman that you, I don't, does he feel that same way with this misengaged? Does he, did he feel that same spark? Or was that just a natural relationship? We've been together, we've fallen in love, and now we're doing the do. Does he have that same level of spark and love? It must be saying he loves both of them. Is it that same spark and love that will carry them through this? I don't know. It depends on, you know, what he's thinking. But he definitely can tell this woman, I met this woman, I love her. I can't drop her. She's up for being a frapple. If you're up for it, let's go. If you're not, I understand. And then take, like Auntie Nana says, do your, watch your polygamy documentaries <laughs> and also look out for a woman that's up for it. And I do agree, going forward, be up front. But I just don't think you should rule out because some women might just be thinking like, you know what? But also, yes, let's explore. By the way, what if Miss Gambia herself is like, yeah, I love you. But also I've got my Gambian brother over there. Print. And then 
also, as Auntie Farah said, misengaged, I'd be like, you know what, God, you know, there's been this Dexter boy that I'm like, yeah, you know what, let's do it. Because now men, you love to talk about extra wives. Do you want to be a, hus a brother husband as well? <laughs> this is the real, real <laughs> test of this situation. You've got to play the, and misengage. You'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. But let me have my Dexter. Let's see how that conversation goes. And if he doesn't have it, then fuck him up just for cheating on you. Um, Auntie Shadow. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, so yeah, I agree. I think that he should definitely leave his fiance. I personally don't think he wants to get married, right? I think mm -hmm. that he likes the idea of marriage, um, and is not and, and is not serious about it. He just doesn't want to commit, but he wants to be in a relationship, multiple relationships, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, and I think like the, the reality of actually bringing someone over. Like it's it's not a walk in the park. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's like the romance of it kind of thing. Um, he's caught up with it, and also you know it might be very flattering to a guy if she's like, you know what? I just love you. I accept everything. Do you know what I mean? It can, you know, be like very flattering. Do you know what I mean? So I think maybe he's just his ego is just a bit inflated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I think he should. I mean, he should definitely tell the fiance. I think he should be honest. Um, and I, but I think he should also repent for his sins. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think he should just be honest just to alleviate his own guilt. You know? Do you know what I mean? Because it's out of order. At the end of the day, he's made a promise to her. Um, you know, his fiance. Um, and he, you know, he's he's broken a part of that because if. If she was down, he would know that already, no? Yes, exactly. Um, she would have so, gone to you know, Dubai as well. Like, that's exactly a big kind of betrayal. Thing. You flew some yeah. chick over from Africa to Dubai. I was just going to yes. say that. That's a liberty. In, in a pandemic. I, in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think that's the thing. I think it's just like, you know, maybe the thrill of the chase, the thrill of getting um, wave something. Also as well, I know there's some men out there that they can't actually... Um, they will do the most to get you to break up with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they just don't, they can't face the actual, like, letting someone down kind of thing. So I think maybe it's that kind of scenario. Like, you know it's not working. You know it's not going to happen. Like, just let, let, let it go. And this is kind of like, oh, the perfect excuse almost. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no way, like, from what I know, she's 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 black she's a british girl she's not gonna accept this she, it's not her culture to um accept this kind of thing so i don't think there's any chance of that um but i think it's really selfish i just think it's generally just really really selfish really inconsiderate of his fiance um you know and find someone yeah like you guys said just find someone that he's down with that like if that, if that's what it is and there's those kind of women out there then just just find someone who's down with that like why would you why would you do that to someone that you love like that's what i don't get it's just i think it's borderline evilness man it's just nah i i, I don't respect it at all so yeah and let's go to the comments okay we have um where does it start from? Right. So Winnie says, if this guy does not know his, know his name and brings a Gambian woman to England, he will he will know his name. I don't know if I've read that right. But yeah. Vic yeah. <laughs> Victoria says, does he need a third wife? Sounds like it won't be. 
<laughs> it won't be a time-consuming marriage as I will have a lot of help so I can pacify my aunties but still have a lot of time to mind my business. And Candy says he should watch the documentaries with the fiancé and ask what she thinks of it. If she likes Burr, um, then let her go find her Dexter. Um, and Red Border says, nah, man, no thruple business, too many germs. Sistrin says, he sounds as though he wants a wife, but does not know how to be a husband. He should be honest and tell his fiance that he stepped out and give, and this is the situation, give her the chance to just walk away. And Sistrin says, the whole Dubai trip is just next level shady. Wow. And Ronald says, don't discount the intentions of the new woman. She may be agreeing to the situation because she believes that once she's the actual wife number two, she can change the relationship. That's true. Or or she might just be happy to be the wife in Gambia and be able to do her own thing with her own version of Dexter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. So let me get some comments from Insta. Thank you, Thinking. He says, we are the aunties and we are nice. Send your problems in for our advice. I might just use that. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Andre and Mrs. B says, oh, ooh, no, thank you. Abanother actress says, yee, he flewed out the girl from Gambia. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andre Mrs. B says, he loves her but doesn't respect her. DD writer says, you've got to love a Gambian woman. Um, Gambian woman. Um, Abner, the actress, says, nah, men always want to have their cake and eat it. Cha. And um, she also goes on to say, I bet his fiance is probably dedicated to him. The Gambian woman just wants papers. She doesn't care. It's a win-win for her. Oh. Boy, boy, bye. Thinking says he, need, he ain't ready for marriage. He just needs to be single and mingling. Abner goes on to say, Miss Gambia just wants to chop his money all. <laughs> and um, thinking back says, now how he just meet Gambia and all of a sudden he is in love. He is in love with the fact that he can be reckless with Gambia, Gambia in with Gambia, with impunity. Um, and yes, and Miss Akio says, in it. <laughs> Insta was harsh on the Gambian chick, man. Yeah, man. Harsh. And I love at first sight, man. It can happen. And if you watch the one, it, it could be that kiss. Ah, me. Pew, pew, it could pew, happen. Pew. It could but happen. also, she could just maybe want the papes. She, she could want I mean, she could want papes. She could also love him. We don't know. She Anyone, could definitely want the security of the husband without the... Do we have time for another husband. advice, another issue, or do no, we have to move let on? Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. Sorry, people. I stopped watching the clock. Um, Not really. Okay, then. We shall move on quickly. I'll save mine for oh next Oh, my week. gosh. I forgot. We've got for the culture. Damn. Um, <laughs> for the culture. So now it's time for the culture. We are doing a long show. This is because it's a yeah. special event. For the culture. This is a hot topic that's been discussed on black social media and news that's had an impact on the culture. Now, this one's usually we're quite fun on this, but a little bit serious, kind of. So we got this conversation about male violence, obviously, or the um, despicable murder of... Sarah Everard, and though it was not a black man, of course, it was a police officer, there is this conversation, and aunties have had it many, many times, about how we address our black men and boys when it comes to not raping, not abusing, not attacking women, or and just think, seeing as women as their own playthings to play with. We've always thought, we've spoken about how we need to shift the conversation. So, um, and there have been quite a few black celebrity, male celebrities speaking out uh, against the situation that happened with Sarah. And they're actually saying the things that we as women have been saying for a long time, we need to talk to our boys. It's talking to our boys who grow into men with better tools to and how to handle and interact with women. Um, but also amongst this, we're talking about 
So I wanted to ask, you know, how far reaching is male violence? So there's rape, physical abuse, but what about the catcall, you know, the cheating, and also how people raise their kids? I mean, Kirk Franklin, a renowned religious gospel music leader who um, was exposed for, you know, cussing out his son in a very unchristian-like manner. Um, He apologised for it, and he said he's had long-standing problems with his son, but... You know, the way he cussed him out was like, you know, any of us would be cussing out with a, with a lot of expletives and very unchristian-like behaviour. And you would think, with judgment, I would say this comment, that if you've got the scripture to hand, you'd know what scripture to draw for to help you, guide you through these um, the situation raising your children and coming back at them when they get on your nerves. And then also throwing in that, we have the age-old problem with black British men and their previous comments about black women, usually dark-skinned women, tweets have come up from Dave, the popular rapper in the UK, and they came up, you know, him saying some things about black women. You could take, you can see that you, you can make a decision whether you think they're bad or not. Um, but also this came on the back of him being seen on holiday with Fred Doe, I think, and being surrounded on a boat with lovely babes who were light and white, and people were calling them out for, you know, why, again, are there no dark-skinned women in the picture? So there's all these things being lumped into this whole thing, how do we address male violence? How do we talk to black men? And this whole thing of, well, men, specific black men, because that's who we're talking about. And how do we, again, readdress this communication, this easily, easy to dog on black women, easy to treat black women in a certain way, this whole thing of like how we phrase the conversation about rape and stuff like that, and how we raise our children, all this stuff. So male violence. Go, Auntie Far, <laughs> Auntie Nana, <laughs> Auntie Nana. It's a lot. That, that was a lot. But um, all right. So Kirk Franklin, um, I was kind of, I, I was shocked at the level of kind of like I will fuck you up talk from him. <laughs> I just would never have imagined that that was his language. Like really, I was like raw. So that's how you get down. But also his apology. If I was his child, I'd be like, this is so much shit. I'm glad I exposed you. Because how are you apologising to your fans? And you weren't like wholeheartedly apologise to my son, name him, how I spoke to you. Well, it needed to be that type of reach to him. Like, you, why are you apologising to people? Like, you know, I'm only human. To the, no, it needed to be a public apology to your son. He's probably spoken to him like this numerous times. That's why he recorded him because he sees his dad as a thorough hypocrite. Um, yeah, it was just horrible. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. I, I really think people need to not give him a pass. But I just saw so many folks being like, you don't know what he must have said to his dad to get him there. Like, you know, the fact that he's exposing him, like he needs to be fucked up. It was just that level of like, you're not going to give this, person grace and maybe some type of understanding to how they've been brought up that they want to even expose their parent um yeah it was it's it's been hard reading people's comments on this but I think that's a part of um the way we're raising our children it's like in very harsh environments like we need to break them because the world will break them and it's like no that's not that's not a parent's job like you're not supposed to break down your kids because the world is gonna when you want them to be hard and that, that doesn't make any sense that just brings out hard children and they grow into adults because uh-huh. they they don't know what love is 
and they've just been broken. So they go out and break things. And especially with boys, there's all this thing of like, you know, don't be soft on them. They got to be hard. The, the world is tough out there. And then they go out and they're hard and they're tough and they rape and they they take what's theirs. And then you wonder like, oh, I don't understand why they're like that. Because you was really horrible to them at home. And I think yeah. there's definitely, we need to start talking about toxic femininity. There are mums that are flipping disgusting to their children. And there's always so much talk about dads leaving and dads doing this, but there are a lot of women that are very vile to their to their sons and daughters, especially to their sons, and they make their sons have zero feeling for females because they haven't felt any love. And and there's a there's a thing with just kind of you're either just letting them get away with what they want or you're beating them a lot. And that's their first point of love. And if they haven't felt that from a mother, I think it's very easy for men to grow older and act out revenge on other females because they were never loved by their mothers. Woo, Auntie Farah. Uh, Lot to unpack there. So, Kurt Franklin. I suppose in hindsight, you could say that he should have used the scriptures to help him (laughs) deal with his child. However, he is a human being first. And I I haven't seen the clip, so I don't actually know what he said. There's always going to be better ways of dealing with someone rather than just coming out with them because it because all that happens is that person gets defensive and then you get nowhere, you hit a wall, and then you feel like you need to continue. So there's always better ways um of dealing with that. Um well Auntie Nanny, you said something else about um black men. So basically, this is the thing I always say about raising boys. The problem about raising boys is that they get told so often, man up, you can't show emotions. What are you crying for? Like it's seen as a weakness to show your emotion and to cry. It shouldn't be seen as a weakness. They should be able to embrace their feelings and their emotions so that they know how to deal with it rather than bottling it up and it comes out in negative ways later on in life. Be that if they don't have the relationship of a nurturing sense with their mother, but I know people that have had all of that and still come out and are a certain way because whilst their mother has been very nurturing, they haven't learned to deal with women on another level or they, you know, or they've gone through experiences with men that have forced them to feel that they need to be more masculine than necessary. So I think I've, I've said it before. We all said it in this, you know, this, people always talk about protect your daughters. No, teach your sons as well. So it's a, it starts with family. It starts with conversations. It starts with what you hear your, your nephews and, and your nieces discussing amongst themselves. It's, you know, where it comes to you can't do this because you're a girl. You pull your nephew, you pull your nephews up on that and you say, why? Or if they say, well, you can't do that because you're a boy, you pull them up and you say, why? You have to have these conversations from early so that they learn from within the home. Oh, she froze. Um, Auntie Shade picked... Oh, that's she's back. Oh. Auntie. Auntie, why are you back? Now lost my train of thought. Yeah, because you cut out horrendously. We can't hear you at the moment. Okay, Auntie Farah, Auntie Shade, pick up, please. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, oh God, there was a lot. There's a lot to do. Men and and their ways <laughs> this week. Um, okay, with Kurt Franklin, I thought my first thought was like good or bad. Yeah, I thought his son recording him was a cry for help. Do you know what I mean? And I thought it was a cry for help that that Kurt was kind of ignoring. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and and you can see that in the response and stuff, and and how he how and and his non-apology. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it wasn't. It was uh, to me that's not an apology because you can't. It's just the same with Sharon, right? Do you know what I mean? In her apology, she doesn't mention Cheryl. Like it's. It's the same. You're not really apologising. You're just doing this for surface. And it just goes, I mean, there is that, uh, I guess it's a stereotype of like, you know, the higher up you are in religious organisations, be it the church or whatever kind of thing, the more skeletons, <laughs> the more dirt there is behind closed doors. So who knows what the, what the, what the poor boy is dealing with? Who knows? But if he, he, he's, you know, he's, he's putting out there, he kind of like, it's almost like he wants to be emancipated from his parents. Do you know what I mean? And like even the way he referred to him is just like, you know, it was like this my my other son, almost like I don't talk about this one. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was just like, mate, you could you could just feel the lack of love there. Um, so we we ju- we just don't know what's going on. Um, I think the you know, putting on social media is a cry for help. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's definitely like a um uh, like Auntie Nana was saying, like a cycle of brokenness. Um, do you know what I mean? Going on and on. Um, with uh, with the whole male violence thing, I think like what I was I was thinking, I was hopeful in the fact that I think that it will spark new conversations in terms of like how men um, making them more self aware about how they how they uh, come across in any space where there are female or women. Um, do you know what I mean? I feel like, you know, just... I, I think a lot of men are just not aware of, of, like, how they come across that, how, like, you know, right... Like, almost like acting like they have a right to everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the catcalling, the, you know, not taking no for an answer, not, not to the extreme of rape or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But even if you're just walking down the street... You don't want to talk to someone. Why does it have to be a big ordeal? It's like, if I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to talk to you. Why are you taking it so personally? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, just move on and, and call it a day. But I think they're just not taught that. The whole society, the, the whole society, really, across the globe is almost like, it's a, it's a men's playground, really and truly, to almost like they can do what they want um, with very little repercussions. When, they, you know, you've got, You've got some crimes out there that in our country, you know, you can get 10 years for what? Is it burglary or something kind of thing? But three years for rape? Like, what message does that send? That's crazy. That's crazy. That shows that you don't value, you you don't value the, the, the violence that is put on women. That, that, that's basically there. Do you know what I mean? And that's, um, it's hard not to internalize that, um, from a male or female point of view. Do you know what I mean? Because it, you know, if you've got things like that, why would why would um, a man not take it too or like what's it called? Not take it too seriously. Do you know what I mean? Like the minor kind of thing. So like the 
catcalling or telling a woman just to smile and all that kind of stuff. They won't take it to because they'll be like, well, it's not that. Do you know, it's not extreme. So why are you bothered about this thing? Um, and I and also I do think, sorry, I'm just, there's, there's so much in there, <laughs> to be honest. But I do think there are like men that I've seen. Um, and when you kind of kind of dig down into it, they don't like their mothers. And it's not necessarily because their mothers are mean or horrible to them, but just because they don't respect their mothers. Like they don't respect like, maybe they don't understand the struggle. Maybe they don't understand why they've had to go without or why they've lacked in some areas or whatever kind of thing, but they don't respect their mothers. And that respect is, um, is, uh, what do you call it? Uh, perpetuated into other, um, relationships basically. But I think, um, yeah, I think I, I think it, if anything, it will hopefully spark some conversations. But ultimately, I feel like we've got a very, very long way to go. Like, um, there, there is almost no incentive for men to change. There's none. Do you know what I mean? So that's why, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you touched on that because I, again, I, I felt not again. I felt I always feel defensive when people talk about mothers. Um, and so Everybody not, does. And but <laughs> I, I don't think it's something that we shouldn't address. We shouldn't speak about. But it is always it's so difficult because men then get away with the focus being on them because then I think I've been in lots of debate groups and then the conversation comes back to single mothers and the blame put on single black mothers and all that stuff that they're going through as single black women. That's not to excuse the fact that, yes, there's some very toxic women who are toxic, whether they're single mothers or in a relationship or anything, they're just toxic because of whatever reason. But then the conversation then moves away again. And when we're trying to focus on what's wrong with men, that's one facet of it. There's so many other factors. Mm -hmm. And I I, I do like that, what you you said, Anshade, about the fact that they don't respect their mothers for putting up with whatever situation, maybe even down to the fact that why are you single? Why aren't you with my dad? What did you do that my dad's not around? All that type of stuff. And that plays into how they treat the women that come into their lives, the girls that come into their lives. Because I've said, I think I've said it before that there's a judgment on women. If you're not like, like men always, I've, I've had, not men always say, I've heard these conversations where, yeah, she's a woman that wouldn't let me get, get away with it. So she put her foot down. So a woman's got to really put her foot down and be strong in her conviction, dealing with all the stuff that she's dealing with that society's put on her, but then be strong in her conviction when dealing with a man. And that's the woman that he respects. You've got to not let him get away with it, but also you've got to let him get away with it. So you can't <laughs> nag, but you've got to also be tough. So you've got to put, a, put up a front that you're not having it, but you've also got to have it because by the way, I'm a man in this and don't <laughs> tell me what to do. So it's all these things and rules. And then if a woman in the home is like you're single, you're trying to work. You're not there for me. I got stressed. You're not, you're not nurturing me the way I see other people's mums getting nurtured. You're not like Claire Huxable on TV and stuff like that. Then the woman get the black woman gets blamed again for not being that poster child of a mother. And also, what did why did my dad leave you? Even though you could know your dad's a player, but why did my dad leave you? Why didn't you have the smarts to hold my dad down? And I that like I said, that feeds into how they treat women and see women. Um, from the Kirk Franklin perspective. I think that um, I don't, I've never been a fan. He frightens the hell out of me. He's definitely the God when it comes to gospel music. For some reason, I'm not Christian, but I love a gospel tune and I love gospel. I just think he's the greatest. He is one of the greatest to do it. However, I don't, from his whole being, 
I don't believe him. I just don't believe him. So I'm not actually not surprised about the language that he used. I can very much imagine he's very much of the, I'll fuck you up type, motherfucker, I'll break your neck type person. I can see that 100%. I barely, barely think he has a grasp on Christianity, in my opinion. I just think it's, it's for me personally. He's a musician. He's a musician. And the gospel field, he's a god in the gospel. That's why so many people are defending him. Man of God, men of God. This is why they get away with a lot. And How tall is he? He's, I, and there's that too. Um, really? Short man, sin, short man syndrome. Got a lot to do with it. However, however, that yeah. aside, that aside, men in, men in the men of the cloth in quotes, in, especially in well, I won't say especially because I only know the, those of our community, the big old pastoral. You know, they get away with a lot. You down to abuse and all that type of stuff. We talk about preying on vulnerable young girls and women. How many stories coming out of those religious sectors where the pastor was doing the most with a lot of people, regardless of age? And that doesn't get addressed because we'll sweep it under the Christian carpet and let's not deal with that. That's a whole nother situation. So I'm not surprised about Kirk. Definitely a cry for help from his son. And you just don't do it like that. You're supposed to not come in and appeal to your fans, talk to your son. And yes, I will say draw for your scripture book because this is not how you do it. You're supposed to have the tools and don't, I, that's why I don't, I, I get mad. Like he's only human. Christians are only human. But when you position yourself as a leader and a voice and because, you know, I'm not to, not to shame. He had issues before talking about his porn addiction and all that type of stuff. That's not to shame people who have porn addictions and stuff like that. But Kirk Franklin has broken the rules one too many times. I don't trust him. So, yeah, not to that. We can't, well, we he's not a pastor, though. He's not, he's not pastor. a pastor. He's a gospel. No, he's not a pastor. He's not a pastor, 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 pastor. Um, he is held upheld as a Christian leader, though. So you're right. You're right. He's not a pastor. But see how I'm talking about him. He falls into this icon of Christianity. And he is a symbol of Christianity. But he is actually also a musician. And he's with the, what's the word? In the world music. It's, it's in the world. He's not of Christian. He doesn't do Christian Christian gospel. His kind of hip hop, kind of pop soul R&B, yeah. pushing the boundaries of the music Amen. of gospel. Yeah, he's a little bit paganistic and the old guys won't like it. But um. Trying to just quickly feed in the, the Dave thing because oh yeah, <sighs> uh, we, I had actually forgotten about that. We can yeah, talk Dave. about the fact that yes, he did those tweets back when he was sixteen. Um, years later, sorry, mute guys. Um, years later, he's a changed man. I do have. I constantly say there's this thing about performative blackness and and being righteous and what you're doing in your in your personal life. Whether those two marry up. That's something I like to question. And yes, people are arguing that, look, do you want equal diversity when you've got a bunch of, in quote, hoes on a boat? And then that's now disparaging women who want to have fun on a boat. But they're also saying, is that what you want? Are you all are you all you dark-skinned women clamoring to be the hoes on the boat? That's another conversation. The other thing about what I want to say is actually when these stories break out, it's just another way to dog on black women and you bring dark skinned women. Who actually broke this story? And all the comments I'm seeing is like, you dark skinned women are bitter. And I'm like, well, hold on, Did, was a dark skinned woman actually the person who started this story off? That now it's become lazy and just blame dark skinned women for every kind of conversation about colorism and race and shadism. Sometimes it's just people starting a conversation knowing that they can just drag dark skinned women into the conversation. I don't know who started it. So I'm not going to say it's not a dark-skinned woman, but leave us out of it. When there's not dark-skinned women commenting and you lot preempting, oh, dark-skinned women are bitter, it doesn't matter. It's preference. There's so many things in that that leave us alone, first of all. Come for the people that are coming for you, then leave it at that. Leave us out of it and don't just blanket assume that dark-skinned women are pressed about what Dave's doing. However, 
this is a thing where black men are silenced about their conversation. Is your preference without influence? That's all I'm asking. Is your preference without influence? We're never allowed to have that conversation. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know what? So I don't know if I followed the whole Dave thing properly because I was reading tweets where he was talking about white women and calling them greyfoots and bluefoots and various things and like I'm going to find myself a greyfoot in Essex so that I have somewhere to stay. I I read it more like this dude is a chief. And then I saw something, I think he called them melanin bandits or melanin what so that was about dark skin girls. That the, the melanin bandits are talking about this. I Did it say dark skin girls though? Because when I no, read it, it, said, it, just, it said melanin. He had another thing, I think it was around the same time that was like about dark skin and then the two that I've okay. Because the two things that I've read, I, I don't I haven't I've only comment can only comment about the things that I read. He says melanin bandits and he talks about purple wig people. So yeah. I just haven't seen anything where he specifically that's, says that's exactly dark the skin. same as I saw. And I didn't okay. see it, I didn't see anything written that had dark skin. And then going forward to the people that was on the boat, they could have been the girls that they knew that were in Dubai or wherever he is. I just, I, I'm, I'm really weary of this m- more seeming divide of like if uh, a black guy seems to herald any type of um, black women in his songs, it's like they're waiting to catch him out to kind of discredit what he's put forward. Like, I, I, I'm really, like, I'm not okay with this. And also, why is it, why can he not be hanging out with light-skinned women? Like, what, what's wrong with that? Like, he's a man, he's living his life, he's young. Like, both of my best friends are mixed race. Like, I just don't get, I don't get this policing of who you're seen with because you were out there doing songs that were claiming that black is beautiful. That doesn't mean that all day, every day, you need to be surrounded by dark-skinned people and that's all you do. Like, you do not need to be an Umar Johnson out here. That is, that is, it's not about that. So, yeah, maybe I'm defending Dave. I just didn't see where there was... It felt like, oh, so now you want to try and trash... I didn't feel like it came from a dark-skinned woman. I felt like it so, comes from a brigade of people that are trying to trash anybody that is trying to be positive about dark-skinned females. Mm-hmm. I shut right. Okay, so um, I, I don't really care for Dave like that. I'm not invested in his in his career, music, whatever kind of thing. I think I watched the performance he done on the Brits that was around blackness um, and stuff and everything like that. But I do think that 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 there is that um, stigma now. I'll, I'll call it a stigma that if you blow or not to say that he wasn't going anywhere, do you know what I mean? But if you blow, you make a statement about your blackness and how, um, how you're almost saying how you want to be seen in the world and you want this kind of equality but then you're in your private life, that doesn't seem to be the case kind of thing. People tend to go for people for that. Do you know what I mean? And like, he seems to be getting, because I think they tried to go for Stormzy for that. 
Um, there's a couple other people, and, and now Dave seems to be the the, the latest one. Um, but he seems to be getting a blight. Like a lot of the comments that I'm seeing um, is that are oh, just what are you going to do? Like cancel the chosen one, da da da, this like the other kind of thing. So it's just like people aren't really taking it as seriously. Ivorian Doll, who's a UK rapper, she actually saw those pictures and retweeted and says, black is beautiful until it's time for you to be with one. So she said that, do you know what I mean? As as a black woman, I mean, it's questionable how dark she is. I don't know if that matters, but do you know what I mean? But yeah, but I think that that, that conversation now, it just gets um, conflated, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like the, the, the girls on the boat, in some of the pictures, there are girls that look black. Some of the pictures, there's girls that look light. There's some of the pictures, the girls that look white. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it. I don't know if it. I, I think it, it. It is that debate though. Do you know what I mean? Like, can you be pro-black? Yeah, if you're the person that you are with is not black. Is that is that the underlining debate that kind of fuels these conversations or fuels these comments? Now, I'm not saying either way, because actually, I, I just don't know. I'm always on the fence. Like, I really don't know. Do you know what I mean? Because I see some people who are pro-black and they're in mixed relationships and it's got, do you know what I mean? It doesn't affect their blackness in any sort of way. Do you know what I mean? But like, there's others where like what Auntie AK is saying, it's just like, well, is it performative? Like, are you down or are you not? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's uh, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. And why do you think that people um, should be with who they want to be with? Like, you can't just have comments like that, Dave, in particular, and not kind of even apologize for them because he hasn't really like his his apology was like oh yeah I said some shit when I was younger that was it and it's not necessarily like oh um he has to necessarily address the dark skin thing but it was definitely anti-black do you know what I mean that kind of thing and also as well that the other the other questions that were coming up for me was just like okay like um there's always been um sorry slur words i don't know if you could, if that's what you call for white people too so like things like cracker and now bluefoot and grayfoot is getting more and more popular with young people like what do you call i saw one girl on social the other day a white girl saying like what do you call that how how is that racism is it not like do you know what i mean like and she was generally asking the question um like what do you call that and i just thought yeah it's interesting because like why personally i don't think it's necessarily racism i think it's bloody rude do you know what i mean um but like that that should he he needs to apologize for that too Mm -hmm. do you see what i mean that kind of thing like there's there's a like why does he get a bligh you know if we're gonna drag not not necessarily me but if people are gonna drag steph london for saying what she said about black women you know years ago then how comes Dave gets let off. I, I don't get that. That just seems weird to me. I, it's so, it's so, um, Auntie Farah, this conversation. Oh, hmm. sorry, yes, of course. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> I, I don't know what's because 
um, yeah, sorry, because it's only because I wanted to answer. I was actually, go on, go on. It's okay, go on. I'm only winding you up. Go on. No, 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 no. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Um, okay. So, Dave should come out. I mean, okay, this, these are the things. These are the things for me. He was 16 and 17 in the tweets that I've seen. As you said, they're more anti-black than they are spe- specified to a particular hue. The tweets that I have seen. Okay. He was 16 and 17. Now, for me, he should come out and apologize for the tweets, not necessarily to a particular group of people, but to it, within a community, but women to black people, because he's talking about melanated. So that to me, melanated is all black people, because we're all melanated. That's what he should come out and apologize for. If he said blue foot, grey foot, he should apologize for that as well, because that's also that's also a slur. You can't just be going around calling white people blue foots and grey foots. That's wrong. Um, in terms of him being on the boat and his circle having to be just just because you are pro-black, like Auntie Nana says, does not mean that every day in your life, everybody around you has to be dark skin. It doesn't. If you look at Dave's circle, his actual circle of friends, he has dark skin friends. He has light skin friends. He has mixed race friends. He has who are, are white. He has a range of friends. So I just don't feel like it, just because you come out and you make a song called Black is Beautiful, which, by the way, in the song, he talks about all different versions of black. Doesn't mean that every day you have to be around dark skin people. That's not what it is. But you do have to be held accountable for what you said, whether you were 16 or 17 or not, because what you're demonstrating now is that you have you have learned as a person, an individual, and you have grown from that and you recognize things and you recognize why at them ages you may have been influenced by certain things and you have now changed that. And you don't want people those ages to be influenced by the same sort of scenarios. That's why I'm saying he should come out and apologize. I don't know what he said about. Um, I, di- I didn't get a bit about he saying, oh, do you want to be the hose? Who said that? Who actually made that comment? Who wants to be the hose on the boat now? I know he didn't say that. I'm saying people in the comments. No, that's what I'm saying. Who like... actually made that? Oh, no, just people saying... in the comments. Oh, OK. All right. The other thing is, I will agree with Auntie Nana. When this type of thing comes out, you have to wonder to whose benefit it is. Whose benefit? Who put the story out? Because like you said, some one of you guys said, was it Auntie, uh, you, Auntie AK? Was it even a dark-skinned woman that came out and said anything? So stop coming for them because they never said anything. Who told you that they were standing up, up in arms saying, oh, where's all the black chicks on the boat? Who 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 said that? To whose benefit? Because for all we know, it may not even be a black person that has said this shit. It could be some flipping person with another agenda altogether who wants to come out and divide and conquer. It could be that. So there's just it's very layered. As I said before, I do feel like he needs to come out and say something more than what he has done, because there are people, there are younger generations that look at him and are highly influenced by what he has to say. And he should just be like, look, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've gone around. I've, I've read. I've talked to people. I've seen a lot of things. And this is now my point of view. Not then. Let's get some comments. OK. Hmm. Okay, all right. So, the comments that we have on um, Facebook kind of more focus on um, Kirk Franklin. So, we have. All right, Sistrin says, Auntie Nana didn't lie. We need to talk about toxic parenting and the effects of adverse childhood experiences, which is abbreviated to ACE manifesting in adult behavior as trauma that has not been addressed. 
as this student goes further on to say, working in child protection, it is something I see all the time. And parents really need to remember that parenting is a verb. It's a doing word. You need to parent your child and it's hard work. Ronald says, don't forget that not long ago, Kirk Franklin was apologising for being promiscuous and addicted to porn. His behaviour and his devotion to the Lord are questionable as far as I'm concerned. And Victoria replying to Ronald says, welcome to Black Church. Controversial. Uh, Ronald says, Auntie AK mention of single women reminded me of a topic that maybe should be addressed at some point. Is the term baby mother just slang or is it derogatory? Interesting point. Let me get the comments from Insta. Um, hello, everybody that's joined. Uh, again, Andrea, Andre, Mrs. B says, let us not forget, Kurt Franklin did appear on Oprah to talk about his addiction to porn. Abner, the actress, says, men of God get away with so much, SMH. Um, Mr. Kouye says, 33, says, Uncle Kirk has always made it public. He is not perfect. Thinking says, Kirk Franklin is simply just a public persona. His stage character can be completely opposite than his at-home self. Um, and devil's advocate, pun intended, maybe his son needed his clart chopped. <laughs> um, and Mr. Kouye agreed with Yanti Sade. That's probably a comment way back when we were talking about Kirk Franklin. And Thinking says, male violence falls under the umbrella of toxic masculinity. There's levels to the toxicity and society gaslights the ugly underparts. Or maybe that's their idea of what love looks like due to the examples that, oh, that's, I think that's another comment. Um, comment. Or maybe that's their idea of what love looks like due to the examples that they experienced during their rearing, rearing years. LOL at the Christian carpet. Um, Kirk ordered his Christian carpet from Asda. <laughs> I don't trust a lot of them Christian people then. And um, he also wished us happy, happy, happy Mother's Day for those of us who are mothers. And aunties, actually. Happy aunties and Mother's Day. So, yeah, man, it's an interesting um, topic that we definitely will be revisiting. We, we talk about this a lot, and I swear maybe this is a debate, but you can't be pro-black and have a white partner. It like it. It just th- you can't be. Can we bring this up for the culture next week? Because it's ten to nine. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. for us to discuss, I think this needs to be reasoned out and discussed. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on to the last part of the show, which is sad, mad, and glad. Ladies, aunties, what has made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Who wants to go first? Okay, Auntie Nana. <laughs> Why? I clearly rubbed my hands, like move on to somebody else. <laughs> okay. Um, to be fair, nothing has particularly made me sad. Um, mad has just been, um, you know what, mad and glad has been watching Sharon. It has made me mad, but it's also made me glad. Just just the conversations that have sparked from it. Um and yeah, I, I always like um I always like it when white people are able to see what we see and it's really uncomfortable when it's very blatant like that. You can't get away from how blatant that was. So reading certain people saying like that was really uncomfortable. And it's made me reflect or, yeah, I can I can see what people see when there's a blow up and how she kind of really like was being racist. And yeah, I've, I've just enjoyed these moments of clarity for some people. Auntie Farah. I am 
mad at the lack of news about blessing uh the 21 year old that was found on the beach in comparison to other things i am sad at the fact that sarah what's her surname sorry everard the everard um her passing i'm very sad for her and her family but equally i'm very sad for all the black people or black women who have been killed violently and their death goes unlooked at unsolved and un Represent, underrepresented. I'm very sad and mad at that. Um, I'm glad that Portugal might be off the red list because I might actually make it in July. That's that. Auntie Shade. Um, I don't really have a sad or mad other than what actually has already been mentioned. So Sharon and Blessing. Um, uh, so my glad. <sighs> What's my glad? Um, I mean, I'm generally happy. <laughs> like, I'm generally quite happy. That's good really. enough. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, my sad, I had a sad, it's written down on my phone somewhere and I can't go into my phone right now. So I'm mad at myself for not making better notes more accessible whilst we were going live. I'm glad we went live today. I think that's a well, 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 went live on yes. IG as well. With all the glitches and the hitches, we've managed to do it. So glad and thank you, Auntie Charlie, for nodding us. Um, I'm sad. There was a, there was a sad. I can't remember what it was. Um, and that's it. Yeah, and I'm just mad about the general nonsense that's going on. And I'm mad. I am mad. The fact that Black Lives Matter gets shoved aside, and this is and this is not to conflate or even speak against what happened to Sarah's the horrible crime, but also it's just that we have to even speak in those terms that one equates the other, one isn't worth the other. It shouldn't even be that. And women, you know, let's anyway, just change the narrative. But yeah, have we got any comments before we go? Um, yes. Okay, so Sistrin says, I'm sad women still need to ask for men not to attack them. Glad it seems as though the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn in December, ah, December the 21st, has started to deliver our superpowers. I agree. Okay, so that maybe that's why I'm tingling. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, and that's it, guys. We have one. Oh, do you want to do oh, them oh, on another Insta. one? Yeah. yeah, we've got the instas. Okay, we've got the instas. I forgot about that. Sorry, my love. Um, <laughs> I was ready to go to bed. Uh, let's see where we at. Where we at? Where we are? As scrolls. Um, thinking says. Oops, I scrolled too fast. Aunties, oh yeah, you're all amazing. Thank you very much. You're all exemplary images for the younger. Matter of fact, for all the people in your circles. Thank you. I'm glad I caught the aunties live. And no sad, just mad at the same mad that aunties feel. Thank you very much, thinking, and everyone who commented on Insta and stayed with us on Insta. Thanks, guys. Like consistently. Yeah, man. Thank you. I'd run on both. Oh, we've got a few more um, mads and glads coming through. All right, we've got some more coming through on Facebook. Um, Red Border says, glad we are one. Oh, sorry. No, there's one before that. Um, Candy says, mad that certain people only just discovered police brutality. Yes, that's a brilliant point. And glad that more things will be done now. And Red Border says, glad we are one day closer to summer. And Ronald says, glad for your discussion of Dave and Kirk Franklin was another example of you at your best. Oh, thank you, Ronald. Oh, bless you. And uh, thank you so much. And Auntie Nana, do we have anything in your unpopular belt? Okay, no. no. <laughs> I actually did have one, but I've lost it now. I've forgotten. But I will record it so it will be on our IG page. 
Can I actually do one? Oh, yeah, could you? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, because I didn't do one last week. And I, uh, yeah, but you know what really grinds my gears? And I'm an ex-smoker, yeah, I do smoke. But people that smoke and walk, oh, it does oh. my head in. does my head in. Just stop it. <laughs> yes. Awakening from me and smoke. I can't stand it. I hate more people that push buggies and smoke. You see you know that? What? I hate seeing women. People, I'm about to say women, not women. I hate anyone smoking people. in front of kids. But people, but also, do you know what mad me? The other day I was coming from my mum's, I was at the bus stop and the man came and sat down and smoked a cigarette at the bus stop. That's a public space. You're not supposed to smoke there. Go away. I, I had to get up and move because he was slightly older. I was like, I can't even tell you, uncle, granddad, to move. Just have your freaking cigarette. Yeah. But I had to move out of the I don't like blow. Auntie Shada, you It's when you're behind it and it's, it's coming yes. in your face. And you're walking. You're and walking. you're doing. Oh, I can't stand it. You're right. So as an ex-smoker, it's worse. I think if I didn't ever smoke, yeah, it, it wouldn't be as bad. But as an ex-smoker, yeah. it's worse. Yeah, that one is a good Same. one. Before Same. we go, Auntie AK, do you want to talk about anything that's happening next week? No. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had it in the script. Yeah. Next week is our <laughs> no, anniversary. You know, maybe the um, maybe the person that writes the script should have written it. <laughs> oh, why is this stuff cracking up? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Next week we're going live. It's our anniversary. We're going live as we normally go live, but we're going to be in the same room together forever as aunties as one. So it'd be a special set up. Studio. Might, how about you say it? Go on, Auntie Farah. Cause yeah. Go on, Auntie Farah. <laughs> I do behind the scenes. She doesn't yeah, front of them. Yeah, and then just throw me in under the bus, as they say. And I hate that phrase as well. Yeah, I'm angry now, mad. You made me say a phrase that I hate. But anyway, we're going. We'll, I'll be better prepared. We are going live next week in a, in the studio. All the aunties together for the first time to celebrate our one year anniversary. You guys, I mean, we'll give you all the information of what's happening, when it's happening, how it's happening. But we will be socially distanced <laughs> in the studio, and. Um, yeah, so join us. And there's still more comments. And yes, vapors are worse. And then use yes, using the streets are so yeah, 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 yeah. But thank you, everybody. Um <laughs> I know this has been a long one. We have this like, is almost three yeah, hours. All, this is we're very tired. Like, comment, and subscribe. We're gonna be back <laughs> definitely next week in the studio together, five PM normal time. Um, first time together. So you definitely have to tune in and see us because yes. we'll be able to talk over each other. I'm quite it is not to be that. missed. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be drinks on tap. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Now you've got words to say. What's going on here? Anchor. Everyone's got their role. Okay. Oh. All right. <laughs> pick, pick, pick a side. Pick a side, fam. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I the flow of what you started. Just giving more sauce. That move was a bit mad right there. Anyway, <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. 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 Oh, thank you, and we'll see you next week. Someone needs to end Insta.